This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. In fact, we use Podbean to host Zap to the Past. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free check it out and now let's listen to zap to the past And welcome to episode 49 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you have not listened before, well then this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week we looked at our second batch of games from the issue 23 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with and were angered by Agent Orange, put out by Peter Shilton's Handball Maradona and vexed by Nosferatu the Vampire. This week, we conclude our look at the games in March 1987, uh, along with an excerpt from our very pleasant chat with Chris Abbott about all things C64 music, which is quite good. I quite enjoyed that chat. Very enjoyable. Hopefully you do as well. Very enjoyable. It was very good. So anyway, Graham, tell us what we have going on in this episode. In this enormous fried onion-smelling, vomit-inducing, attraction-packed, teeth-itching, Nougat and Cinder Toffee stalls crammed travelling funfair of an episode, we grab our best BBC Model B cloning cloths and gently rub our copies of Boulder Dash until the decidedly similar Repton 3 appears. Take off our pants, swing our cats, waggle our poles and bang our heads as we go into Man of War mode for a boring game of blood and guts and walk to the right and keep on walking and shoot in as we dive into the boogie wonderland inspired elementally confusing chameleon. We also take a trip down 1k memory lane with the 70s tech inspired racing shit burger, street machine, explore the icon powered jaunty merits of a relatively player and football free football game in the crazy scoring world of footballer of the year and go for a single colour jump on a platform or two while avoiding a wasp in the empty void nonsense of Zub. If that gravity-defying gut-punching trip on the Vomitron hasn't quite filled your desire to centrifugally rotate, and you feel that smashing in a bag of candy floss and heading to the regurgitator is on the cards, we also punch and kick our way through HMP Deja Vu on a three-level prison break sprint in the already stunning but visually uninspiring knucklebusters. Explore the multiversal mind-bending world of the 8-bit upside down in the decidedly well-drawn but otherwise totally meh double take before finally parking our car in Average Avenue, walking through an uninteresting park past some dreary ducks to find the mediocre building for a game of boring with the tiresome Tiger Mission. No amount of gargantuan copyright infringing stuffed toys won from the five quid ago hooker duck are going to make this lot of games a more palatable batch of average. Best grab a ticket for the spine snapper and say farewell to your colon for a while. Marvellous, 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 marvellous. I'm sure it's all going to be lovely. Delicious. Lovely, fun, lovely fun and games. Mm we've got coming up without further ado let's move into the first one shall we uh i think we should i think we should let's go on graham tell us all about repton 3 
which, as much as it sounds like it, is not a Doctor Who villain or world. <laughs> Take a day trip to Repton 3. <laughs> so this is a bold dash type game. Inspired is one way you could one word you could that's, use. That's, that's a word you could use, yeah. You could now, use inspired. I am going to be a little bit kinder to this, and I'll tell you why. Because this is based on a BBC Model B game that was created by somebody called Tim Tyler when he was 16. So fair play to Tim Tyler because that absolutely you know, and as much as it might be a blatant I would say ripoff but heavily inspired variant of Boulder Dash I don't know that Boulder Dash ever made it to the BBC macro I don't know and I don't know but what I do know is that this game follows the basic central general principles of Boulder Dash it's a bit more zoomed in but this one is actually the C64 version is actually developed by Matthew Atkinson at Superior Software so the original Repton not Repton 3 was was Tim Tyler this is kind of Matthew Atkinson's version later because I don't think Tim Tyler by this point was interested in programming at 16 years old I'm guessing he found other interests like we all do around that age and you could snap all of his bed sheets in half and all of that <laughs> there were many socks died getting into these plans <laughs> horrible yeah his his gym sock drawer was always at least six short of a pair anyway um he six short of a pair sounds like a really odd branch of mathematics but we'll just go with that so, but he did design some levels. Also, that. makes no sense. It, it doesn't matter. In this, you know, it's all <laughs> in like the, minus five. I'm, that, my joke was heavily inspired by the Boulder Dash series of games, uh, but not ripped off. So, Repton <laughs> Three involves <laughs> retrieving treasures oh. from a cleverly constructed maze of traps, falling rocks, and avoiding monsters. And it's Boulder Dash. <laughs> the game requires dexterity, logical thinking to solve its puzzles over its lovely twenty-four levels. Its lovely twenty-four Boulder Dash-looking levels. And so this is the second sequel, obviously, in the classic Repton franchise. I wouldn't say that it was a franchise, really, with three. I'd say it's just there's three of them. This one actually contains a sprite editor. Is there three of them more than three Reptons? I don't know. There's way more than three. Oh, I imagine it. Maybe it's a game that persisted. I don't know quite how. but So this is the Repton game, and it's basically Balderdash in different clothes. There's a sprite editor and a level editor in this, so you can design and play a bit like Balderdash construction kit, only nowhere near as good or intuitive or as much fun. So... Apparently, and I'd never played the other Repton titles to know it, but this is better than the others. So apparently the levels are larger. There's some different enemies like Creeping Poisonous Fungus, which is in Balderdash, and that grows at Lamrate. It's Time Bombs, which also come from Balderdash, and Time Capsules, Balderdash. And there's even puzzles in a different dimension, Balderdash. So I think it's just basically, it's a Balderdash clone. And all right, it exists. Now we've seen this sort of thing happen where a, a game that's better on the C64 already exists. And so some bright spark at superior software thought it'd be a good idea to release this version of it that's a bbc game it's not a good idea mm -hmm. to do that because number one boulder dash is better number two boulder dash was the original number three the boulder dash construction kit is better on the c64 by miles than repton 3 and so while it might be great on the bbc and that's all well and good and maybe there wasn't a boulder dash to play on that that's fine this is not required on the c64 in my view simply not and at 995 just got you you would never ever knowingly choose this unless for some reason you went mental um, and you just had some kind of <laughs> some kind of hysterical seizure in a shop <laughs> or somebody had put for some reason that nobody really understood they'd put the repton 3 tape in the boulder dash box when you went to buy boulder dash and you, you thought, had a full oh, on, well. you had a full on repton episode yeah you would have had, you'd, you'd have gone full on you know repton so I just thought that why would I buy, why would I play this on a Commodore sixty four? There's a better game out there, and we had that with that Psychastria, didn't we? Where, yeah, you know, we did. Iridium existed, so why would you play Psychastria? Well, 
This is just, and I think it might even be the same people. Maybe I don't know whether that is actually, but it's the same logic being applied. I don't think it is. No, but yeah, you know, kudos, hats off, tip of the wink, and all the rest of it to Tim Tyler for his 16-year-old Boulder Dash-inspired original game, but a massive slap across the ass cheeks of Matthew Atkinson at Superior Software for this <laughs> bloody Boulder Dash turd that he's created. <laughs> so no, I didn't like it. I like Boulder Dash. What about you? Yeah, it's BBC Boulder Dash, just what I put. It's, in it's a BBC weird... Boulder Dash, and now on BBC One, <laughs> Boulder Dash. I mean, Repton, damn it. <laughs> Get it right. Uh, you guide the... It's Repton. Here's a question. Is Repton the name of the character, or is it... Uh, I because Boulder Dash so. makes sense. Because yeah, you're dashing around boulders. Around boulders. Mm. This is not a ton of reps. Because that's like... <laughs> or three. Because that's like doing, you know, lots of exercise. This is not that. So I presume that Repton is the is the thing. Three reps in a lot, to be honest. But No, I said a ton of reps. Ah, right. Yeah, that, a ton is a lot, yeah. Stupid yeah. game logic. That makes no sense. Yeah, so is Repton the actual creature? It must be, I yeah. I think it must be. Um. So, yeah. Squalling mazes, collect diamonds, avoid falling boulders. I, I, I've written exactly the same. It's like Psychastry. Why would you have this on a machine when Boulder Dash Construction Kit exists? Yep. The graphics are pretty primitive because they look like the BBC version. Yeah. I mean, whoever's done a conversion of this has done a very good job in making this game look like a BBC because mm. it looks exactly like it as far as I can make out. Yeah. The sound is annoying. And if you have Boulder Dash in any format, just to say that the, the Repton universe... There is Repton, Repton 2, Repton 3, obviously, around the world in 40 screens, according to, <laughs> this is according to Wikipedia, the life of Repton, Repton through time, Repton infinity, Repton mania, then we have Ego, Repton 4 in 1992, then we have PC versions in 2003, 4 and 5 for Repton 1, 2 and 3, 2006 we have Repton spectacular, wow. 2010 iRepton, <laughs> um, and, also, and also Repton the Lost, Ro- Lost Realms. Yeah. 2014 Repton's Mystic Challenge. Oh, God. Uh, then we have Android versions of one, three, then two, um, and finally Repton's Journeys. Why do I feel like by this point Tim Tyler? <laughs> if you went round to his house, it'd be like that guy in Itchy and Scratchy who drew the original Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it'd be. It, well, I think I think he's just uh, retreated to uh, the world of Spirographs. He's become Repton. You go into his house, he just <laughs> looks like an ant and dives around his house, avoiding <laughs> stuff. Like. Yeah. The fun, I, most fun I had in this game was uh, what that a picture I sent to you. Oh, that's where you rep, wang, wanged the Repton. Yeah. <laughs> I just drew. A, I just drew a, a purple, a purple wang on Repton. <laughs> And uh, to animate it, I, I thought that was quite funny. It, it did. It, I, I'd have to go back in because I've deleted it. Obviously, I didn't save it, but it's easy enough to do. I could do. A, I could do a flopping rep wang. I think you should. <laughs> There's the version um, of Repton they never made. <laughs> rep wang. <laughs> <laughs> That's rep wang. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it, I mean. I do remember this as a BBC release, and I remember a lot of people really raving over this. And that's fair enough if it's on that machine because it didn't have Boulder Dash. We've got Boulder Dash. I'm going to play Boulder Dash. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. It's a better game. It's yeah. a better game in every sense. So a baffling release. This yeah. just don't understand it. Rep Wang. Yep. Rep Wang. We. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Rep, rep, rep Wang. We. <laughs> that's tickled me. It's um, <laughs> uh, enough. Enough of uh, cloned cloned boulder dashes let's move along because the next one oh dear well <laughs> we'll talk about it so this is another another one from grieve graphics oh yeah it is grieve isn't it i forgot yeah it is they the makers have captured and in 1943 10 minutes later um, <laughs> so what we've got here is medieval decathlon in the form of blood and guts 
Now, before I continue, just here, I posted a couple of pictures because to start off with the title screen. So it's a, it's a multi-event game. I'll go, well, no, we'll get to that bit. It's a multi-event game that you never knew you ever wanted, really. You never wanted this. Who knew who did it? You have to, the game starts uh, after when it loads up with you having to pick from a cast of four characters. You have Nor, the stock cube. <laughs> <laughs> the living stock Hawk. cube. <laughs> Hawk. Nop, which I'm pretty sure is an op code in it. It is, NOP, yeah. Yeah, and, and Dog. Yeah. Or as I've put as a picture, and I will post this picture out, the members of Man of War. <laughs> it totally that's, is the members of Man of War. That's the band. Oh that's my the God. band Man of War. So there's a, there's a picture. So the, the title screen has these four characters, Norhawk, Nop, and Dog. And they sit there. There's actually an image, which I found, of the band Man of War. And it's just it's them. spot the difference. Yeah, they <laughs> They're just more burl. More burl <laughs> and, and, less and pants. slightly less pants, yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Goodness me. So so what is Blood and Guts? Blood and Guts is it's, it's a medieval thing. It's supposed to be a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's a tongue-in-cheek take on the multi-event game that we've seen quite a few of in our time doing this podcast. So I'll go through the, the events first of all. So once you've picked your uh, character, um, it's quite tricky. It's, there's a moment where it then automatically asks you to pick your second player. You have to pick the same character if you don't. There's no way of sort of going no. You just have to... There isn't a no. You just have to pick the same character. And then it thinks, oh, you're only one player. Rather than just asking, do you want a one-player or two-player game? You have to pick the same character twice, which is odd. To once done, you can then either practice or compete in 10 events. So the first event is a tug-of-war, which sees you waggling frantically to try and drag your opponent into a river. Um, You sort of... And they sort of slide fall into a river in a sort of slow staccato well singular frame of animation just going downwards you do a tower jump uh which i've called the squat and launch yeah um <laughs> that squat definitely came from craptured <laughs> it really did didn't it so this is the squat and launch so basically you're at the top of a tall tower you squat and you launch yourself forward getting bonus points for landing on your head then we have the rock roller uh where you uh face off against the, you basically got to waggle the joystick and pick the fire button when you've got up enough waggle energy to push the boulder forward a little bit don't let the waggle energy get to the point or the boulder comes back and rolls back on you whole point is to get the boulder to the top of there's two sort of paths going up at opposite angles whoever gets their boulder to the top pushes it down to the next one and wins the opposite one there's beer drinking which is glug and waggle so you a german down composer to- <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I am Glug and Waggle. <laughs> I, I, made, I made the goddamn ring. Do you mean the goddamn ring? No, <laughs> the goddamn ring. Are <laughs> uh, you Wagner? No, I am Glug and Waggle. <laughs> I am Glug and Waggle. <laughs> Glug and Waggle. I come, <laughs> I come from Glug and Fork. <laughs> so, yes. So this you pull down to... Uh, or you push up, I think, to start glugging, and then you pull down, and then you waggle to swallow. Which, Never say which, that again. <laughs> which sounds really dubious. <laughs> it's not the first time you've said that, is it? <laughs> well, the, the ease with which you came out of my mouth says uh, says everything. <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, then we have the human hit. <laughs> you glug, I'll waggle. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> oh Sorry, where was we at? We at pole fighting or cat throwing? I can't remember which. There were the human hit, oh, right. which is the target practice one. So a, uh, a character has been embedded in a wall with just oh. their head and arms and legs throwing through and you have to lob stuff at it. Then we have the pole fighting, which is pointless thrusting on greased logs. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, I'm not yeah, wrong. That sounds like I'm a not... Saturday Night in Cleethorpe's, that. <laughs> I'm not wrong. 
<laughs> Actually, I've, I've made a spelling error here. I put cat throwing, and then instead of writing discus, I've written discuss. <laughs> it's an essay title so, for some students. Graham, so. discuss cat throwing. Cat throwing, discuss. <laughs> well, all started here. So that's like a discus in to, you know top down. Yeah. Man spins around and you press fire to let go at the right ti- right right direction. Uh, then we have the uh, mountain walk, which is balance and walk and bounce. Um, so you've got a character walking across a rope and you see a sort of forward version of them and you basically got to, if they start leaning to the right, you've got to move the joystick to the left mm-hmm. and keep them going and press fire to get walking again. First one to the middle and bounces up twice and down to bounce the char- other character off wins. Uh, then you've got the axe throwing, which is just lobbing an axe at your opponent first one to do it wins and then you have the arm wreck which is over the top waggle mm. so it's sylvester sloan arm wrestling so that's it so there you're um there your events in single player this game is pointless um yep. i found as the computer is absolutely foolproof at everything yep they're just they're impossible to beat i've got advanced waggling techniques i'm very quick with my waggle <laughs> and, and i got nowhere near them they were just it's just ridiculous i saw i'd be doing my best and be nowhere near the computer place so it renders all the events pointless to play it might be all right but anyway the graphics they're fine i guess they're better than what we've seen from greed graphics so far and the music's all right in places i quite didn't particularly mind it but the problem with this is that the, the humor only lasts a certain mm. amount of time and that is the first time you play each event and after that it's whether the events are actually any good, and we've done all these things better in other get in other things. This is weak in comparison to other games like World Games, Summer Games, Winter Games, any of those, mm. or even things like Night Games. If you want a sort of medieval sort of multi-event bashathon or something that's more fun, it could be a bit of fun in two-player. But I didn't find that any of the events stood out. None of them, and it may be because of the stupid single-player. Mm. Um, you know the always up against an opponent and you're always going to lose and uh, you know the joke wore thin very quickly and and the enjoyment wore thin pretty quickly so all in all it's got 56 percent. it's probably about right this is painfully average and you know if you're going to do a multi-event game go play something else because the 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 the, you know the the one thing that this has going for it just it doesn't really have and it'll just it's just sprites going for it and thing and it gets a bit boring very quickly what about you how did you find it no very much the same this game really divided opinion in some of the research i did around it and um, some people thought it was just you know lay off this game it's amazing others were like it's just rubbish like no it isn't yes it is no it isn't yes it is i guess it's you know <laughs> and i think it's it, what i took from that is your experience of this game very much depends on who you played it with i could see this being a bit of fun as a one-off now and again if you had a couple of mates around and, and you'd left it plenty of time in between plays because if you were gonna, you couldn't play this game repeatedly a lot because it's it's pretty lifeless and the humor will only, like you say, take it so far. I thought the graphic style was kind of reminiscent of an Epixy style look and feel. It's the best they've done, but not amazing. It's not like as good as an Epix one, but it's on that on that pathway. Mm. Um, I thought the controls were generally fiddly, and there's no way you can compete with the computer. Not there isn't a way. It's not feasible. Varied enough events list, although a bit silly and just and none of it's connected to anything really. So it's just a load of mini games really, just themed around Man of War. The, I suppose I found the music horrific and I, am, I can only imagine the loading of this would be a living hell because it was really slow on the system I was using it on, on the NDA emulator. But it's, uh, I mean, this isn't saying a lot, but it's better than it's a knockout on Ninja Master. So it's better than those. And that's yeah. as much as, you know, and that's like, you know, that isn't saying it's great. That's just saying it's better than something that was utterly shit. So it's not, what I can say about this game is it's not shit, but it's very far from being as much fun as world games because just putting it in some kind of weird medieval-y type setting or with these weird character names and stuff and blood and guts, there were no blood and guts in it. 
And had there no. been, that would have made it more interesting. So if the, if it really was a game where you could really do gross out things, that would have made this game something quite interesting and unique. But because it's just medievally dressed, you know, rock band members, you know, leaping on their heads <laughs> off a tower or, or, and a lot of it involves essentially waggle, 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 press the button, waggle, waggle, and that kind of logic. It's just, you runs out of steam after about the second event. And so I think it's just 56% bang on. It's oddly a game I'd never played either back in the day. I'd avoided it. It's never never came across me. Yeah. And I think because I got World Games when it came out. And so if someone said to me, no one's ever said to me, "Let's have you got Blood and Guts, let's play that. I think if, you know, if someone saw World Games, they're like, let's play that straight away. And this, so we'd never get a look in. So you would, you would. Mm. The, the only way this game would be played is if you didn't have World Games and you and you'd come to this first in some way. Maybe, and you happen to like men dressed in their underpants. If those things are you floating <laughs> your boat, then this game, you know, and and then if you flip down the discs in your collection or your tapes and you saw it's a knockout and Ninja Master, this is a good final piece of that shit triangle. So fill your boots with it. <laughs> Just keep it away from me. I don't want to know anymore. So there you go. There you go. That's blood and guts. It's not that great. And there was really no blood isn't. or guts in it. <laughs> no, there wasn't, no. I mean, there's a head chop right at the very end. You get your head cut off, don't you, with the guillotine. Yeah. But again, it's all very sanitized. Yes, yes. It's just not particularly very good. And a bit stupid, really. You know, why would you enter games where if you lost, you got your head chopped off? Yeah, well, exactly. You wouldn't. Yeah, silly, silly. It is a silly game. It is. Anyway, that's uh, Blood and Guts. So let's move on to our next one. Graham, rotate your eyes in different directions mm. um, and tell us what you can see in many different ways and change your skin colour to match the wall. I already have. Um, where are you gone? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> hey, it's just a voice in the speakers. <laughs> tell us all about Chameleon. I shall, yes. Beware the guy with the wangy eye, remember? <laughs> just general advice. Chameleon. Martin Walker in the house. Woo, woo, woo. So this is a Martin Walker game. First thing to say, this game's got some really nice sprite animation on the main character. I love the mm. main sprite, the way he walks, his little sort of, you know, his way his cape sort of flew about. And, you know, and, and, he, and it was Mike Walker, wasn't it, that did Back to the Future? And the first Rupert. Yeah, and as much as those games, the games weren't really good, the animation on the sprites, again, pretty good. Okay, I'm just saying that to lay down the groundwork for the game. So the game is a little bit confusing. Now, interestingly, there's a thing I'll come to about the, why it's confusing, and it's a quite funny story attached to it. This is an Electric Dreams game, isn't it? Another one, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in this game... The elements, fire, earth, air, and water control the world. They control the world. Maybe they control the world in your game. And someone has been tampering with the balance. Only the chameleon, that's you, being made of flux, all right, can put this situation right by entering the limbo realm mm, and organizing stuff. Okay. To organizing get to, stuff? Just organizing stuff. To get to limbo, you need to work your way through the four elemental realms. <laughs> you travel to each realm on a quest to locate the hidden exit. And that allows you to progress as you work your way through the side-scrolling realms. You are attacked by demons and deadly clouds of elements that are trying to drain you of your life force. You can shoot at these things attacking you, but you must use the right element, akin to Druid, so you can shoot the different enemies and you, you can summon the different elements. You lose energy a lot in this game. I don't know if you noticed it when you played it, but you lose it all the time for pretty much everything. You can, yep. get, you can get it back if you shoot the enemies with the right element and then collect their power that they leave behind. If you move past the hidden exits... Don't hide your exits. Just saying it's a bad move for a game when you're looking for an exit. Don't hide them like that. You get a weird sound that plays. If you didn't know that existed, you would never know. Um, but a little sound mm. plays. And to progress, you have to prime the PowerPoint using the sign indicators on the level and walk past them. Or 
in modern parlance, just keep walking to the right until eventually it just you just get to the next level. That's just what I did. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got to traverse the levels quite some time, walking, plodding, walking to the right. You fire spells in sort of directions controlled by the joystick and the fire button. I quite like the controls with the way you fired. And I quite like the sprite. And, the, and some of the graphics are quite nice. The backgrounds are okay. There's a kind of a nice parallax effect. The look of the game is quite okay, actually. It looks all mm-hmm. right. So you've got to walk, keep, basically walk right a lot in this game. And as you work through the, eventually through the different realms, you'll end up in limbo. When you get there, you've got to sort of shoot and get to the power points and survive long enough to make it to the next thing. And so it goes on and so it goes on and so it goes on. And that's kind of the idea of this. So the idea is that eventually you work your way through these things, balance, your, balance the universe and you being a chameleon made of pure flux and solve these problems and you know walk away from a completely game very happy you, i don't think you're ever going to do that because i was walking to the right a lot for ages and ages in this <laughs> game and i just kept going around and around in circles so the game plays out as i say with the main sprite walking right you can shoot kind of spells press space bar to change them to different elements you get attacked by varying different sprites and sizes this again the graphics and the look and feel of these are quite nice they attack you it's a bit like it almost feels like a walking plodding side-scrolling shooter in a weird way mm, and yeah. there's some nice touches to the game the graphics, some of the graphics look nice. There's quite a nice polish to it. It's weird. And it feels like it doesn't quite feel like it knows what it wants to be. So this side-scrolling shooter logic in some ways, and it's kind of leaning a bit on old Ultimate games in other ways because there's kind of a continuous bombardment of enemies. And I think it lies in some kind of cusp which perhaps doesn't quite work or favour it. It's different. And I thought there's some nice graphics and sounds in it. And that gives it a bit more currency over some of the more bog-standard stuff. But And it does have some of that polish. And I think it's perhaps one of the more interesting games of this type. And it proves Martin Walker is a very capable graphic designer, graphics programmer. I just think the game's just lacking something. And in actuality, ironically, the game was lacking instructions because Electric Dreams didn't print all the instructions in the cassette inlay and the instructions for the Mm. game. And because they famously didn't do that, in the next issue of Zap, I think it's Martin Walker actually writes in and says, yeah, they didn't put all the instructions in. Here they are. So they actually publish the missing instructions in the next issue of (laughs) Zap. But for this issue, they review what they get. They give it a reasonably high rating. I think it got 84%. Mm-hmm. And I'd, maybe you're giving it a bit less, actually. I don't know that it's as good as maybe 84%. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it is. But it's got all the look on the, on the pizzazz. It just lacks a coherent game logic. And the, the actual wrappings of the game are a bit weirdly over-complex for what it actually tries to be. And I think because of that, and without the instructions anyway, I think you'd have been clueless. So I think it, it you'd have played this game, loaded it up, and you wouldn't have really known what the hell you were doing. Um, no. So... Um, I think that's the the shame of it all. I think in Martin Walker's head, it was a very clever game. And I think, and he obviously made it a reality in some way. I just think it always remained a little bit in his headspace and not really playable thing for other people. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. Um, again, uh, we do seem to be on the same wavelength with a lot mm. of these things. It's, um, it's yeah, it's another Martin Walker game. And it, like I said, there's clearly been a fair bit of thought put into this. As you wander right and left trying to shoot various elemental enemies with the right element to power up some sticks to allow you to move through the four realms and get to limbo. Okay, fair enough. The problem I have with it is that the game feels chaotic all of the time. Yeah. So with new, there's always numerous sprites whizzing around the screen. There's a day-night cycle going in the background, sound effects that seemingly fire off for no reason, and mechanics that are tricky to implement with a single joystick. There's a lot going on constantly. There's no downtime. There's no space to sort of take a moment and go, oh. apart from if you do, then try and change your element. I think it may have been a better option to press the space bar to bring up the element switching. Yeah. Um, you don't do it that often. So being able to click the space bar just to stop you and go, oh, having to, as I found, holding the fire button and jabbing downwards three times, a tricky thing. Weird, yeah. To, it's a tricky thing to do in the middle of the action because it's incessant and it's nonstop. And I, like you said, 
and I discussed the instructions, but even though I, I, you know, I read the review, so I kind of had a clue of what I was supposed to do, and I just found it really not clear what I was supposed to be doing. I even watched a walkthrough on YouTube and tried to follow that, and what I was doing just didn't seem to be happening on the, it's like, oh, well, you know, just a bit of all over the place. None of the bars seemed to be going down, and, and I didn't know if I was doing it at the right time of day and just trying to survive. I made it through to the second world somehow, but I just found it just too chaotic to, to get feel proficient at in a strange way this reminded me i mean there's defender elements obviously walking left and right and i see you sky sky shooter it reminded me of the bit in iridis alpha where yes, you yes. are on the floor when you change the p- creature on the floor and you're walking left and right it was yeah, kind of an yeah, element yeah, yeah. felt it felt an element of that and again like iridis alpha I didn't quite understand, you know, not always clear what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I can see what you kind of had to do essentially, but it just needed a slightly better control system. I, yeah. I like the visuals, same as yourself. I thought the visuals were really nice. The nice, the main sprite is great. The backdrops, the elementals are okay. Although I wasn't sure, I think in the second level, what the table thing is that moves towards you. Yeah, weird. On the thing, you have to shoot it twice and then it becomes yeah, a demon yeah. and then you get your power up. It's like, uh, uh, weird. Yeah, the that means you were shooting it with the wrong element. If you if it turns into another demon, it means you've shot the wrong, the wrong element, I think. Yeah, probably. I just, But it's so hard to actually change elements. Yes, yes, it um, is. You know, even if you could just press one, two, three, or four to flip through them. Would have been probably more, more proficient, yeah. you know. I mean, Druid had you were you had a you could do it on the fly, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. again, just this simple thing of just being able to press one, two, three, or four to flip between your elements. There you go, quite quick. I don't know. There's there's something here, and I think there's a lot of thought gone into it, and it's quite interesting. But it needed to slow down, really. Yeah. And and it, because the things are so fast moving about the screen all the time, and because they're quite randomly moving about. And because you can only fire in what seems like eight, I think about, well, up if you're facing left, gives you slightly, but there's not many directions you can fire in. And sometimes they get locked in a position where you can't shoot them. By the time you get to a position where you can shoot them, they're moved. And it's, oh God. And then they've hit you. Mm. And then someone else has appeared. And there's a thing on the bottom. And then it's, oh, and you're in a pool and you're dead. Exploded. It's just chaotic. It's just too chaotic for me. I think just slow this game down and you might have a better game. Give you, because the, you don't need that kind of crazy action in the first level. Leave that to the fourth level when you've got some proficiency at the thing. But first level, making it that hard immediately is just a bad, bad thing. And so that's that was what I took from this. I can kind of see why it got 84%. Because if they did understand it and they had Martin Walker going, look, this is what you got to do. And this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. If he's written in. Because by, by the time they would sort of got the game, he's probably spoken to him. Yeah. So I get why they gave it that. And there is, a, there is an original game here. And I think we'll come to this at the end of the episode where we'll have a bit of a chat about the big editorial mm. um, that graces the front of this issue of zap yes and and i think because of the originality on show here they're doing something different yeah probably leads to do that score despite mm. the game's problems yeah I that's agree. what i think but yeah chameleon it's okay it just it's get your head around it if you can and mm. i think you'll be in for a good time but it's not going to be for everyone no. like you're alpha yeah absolutely i think that's a good book all right there we go chameleon let's let's move on a couple more before we go for a break well, next up, <laughs> Street Machine. Yay. Uh, yay, Street Machine. So this was a budget release, right? And they got the price wrong. Because no one could no, you could no one could have asked nine quid for this in 1987, right? Mm, mm, right? Mm. <laughs> Stop looking jadely from side mm. to side, right? So what we have here is a top-down racing game uh, with eight cars. And I use the term cars in the... You know, the, the <laughs> fact that they're single sprites and they, because of, because there's eight of them and they look like cars, I guess. And this is, uh, so if you imagine further down the line, like we said about Labyrinth, uh, and, and not in the same way, the Labyrinth was okay, but it's a bit dull. 
But it's further down the line, we're going to get, you know, or maybe it's even out by this point, Super Sprint. And then even later, we'll get things like Micro Machines uh, and things like that. So this sort of multi-car, small car on a you know, top-down track, you view it straight down. And I know that's not Super Sprint, but it's more Micro Machines. But you, you, you go around this track and that's what you get. The problem is it shouldn't be done like this. No. No, not like this. This is, this is essentially a scrolling version of Grand Track 10. Yes. You remember that? One of the, the oldest racing games. Yeah, I remember that. The oldest of old racing games and variants thereof. This is crap like that. Well, no, Grand Track 10 is not crap because Grand Track 10 came from the mid-1970s. Yeah. And fair enough, they didn't have tech. We've got, we're, we're 10 years on here and, and we've got something that's reminding me of that and not in a good way. Okay, so the title screen sees you pick one of the eight cars on offer. So you basically pick one to eight and one of the cars drives off and that's when you're out. They're all the same by the colour. So the game starts. You push forward to go faster, left and right to steer and button for brake and back for reverse if you need to. If you hit the scenery, you'll probably explode. If not, you're taken to an inexplicable damage screen. <laughs> oh, that was mad, that damage screen. Well, there are 70 elements on this screen and you have a <laughs> countdown going down. I'd, so I'll try and describe this. So you have 70 elements, just text elements. So axles, just all the kind of things you have in a car. 70 of them, you have to flip between them. Whenever you stop on one, they'll have a damage rating next to them, somewhere anywhere up to 99. And you stop on one, you stop on them, and then that damage will start going down. You've got to get... You, in the, but while this is going on, there is a countdown going down from 99 down to zero. You've got to get them all the damage parts underneath 30 in that while that timer goes down so you're racing between them sort of waiting on one waiting for it to go with the two going to the next one waiting for it. it's boring as hell um if you don't get them below 30 percent damage uh, you get disqualified you're out the race so i don't understand I, I just don't i'd rather be out the race because this, this, this game is dreadful the graphics are just basics the single color single color sprite there's no not even an attempt. They're just the same sprite, different colour. There's not an attempt to make these cars any different. The sound effects are awful. That basic whiny, drivey whine that accompanies so many of these yep. shit C64 driving games. That. <laughs> that. Yeah. It, it's got to be a budget game. It's 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 just such a nothing, and it's so out of place. It's got 17%, and yeah yeah maybe lower it's dreadful there's no good the, the, uh, there was one point where i was playing it and i was like you know what i'm starting to spin around this guy and then the hand i was like no i'm fooling myself it's crap it, it, and the handling's rubbish just it's just garbage a really really pointless a nine quid this is four and a half kickstarts it's just shocking no. did you i mean you warned me of this <laughs> i did several times in our, in our chats before before i got to it and i was wondering it really can't be that bad no yeah it really was it's it really worse was. than that isn't it it's dreadful yeah, yeah. what did you think Garb did you it's garbage it's utter utter garbage it's a rip-off as well it's just rubbish absolute rubbish it should never have been released it's out of place it's out of time and clearly they were out of money it's just rubbish. Well, it, it has no place. Mind. This has no place in 1987. It had no place in 1983. I mean, goodness me, really? You're going to release something like this? I mean, if you if you're desperate to play sort of a, a top down racing game, you've got BMX Simulator out there, and that yeah, is budget. Yeah. This is just utterly. I mean, I didn't give it a lot of time. As soon as I started, it displayed the seventy odd item <laughs> list of I, things I'd broken in my three seconds <laughs> of racing. That was me done. I'm like, no. There's just no place for this game. It's utterly <laughs> dreadful in every single way that it could be. I am not partaking of this turd-flavoured ice cream a moment longer. No. So I just switched off and just prayed that I'd, I thought, maybe I imagined it. So I kept my eyes closed for an extra few seconds, reopened them, and it was still there. <laughs> it was still there. No, it's, it's just rubbish. And it shouldn't be. Again, it didn't get enough of a pasting in my book in Zap. I think they should have really laid into this giving it two or three percent for the crap that it is and really yep. really showed them and given and sent a message especially in an issue 
with a great big two-page editorial about this kind of thing. And but maybe they should have used this as a point in point of reference. It's just rubbish. No, I'm not going to give it any more time. Just avoid crap rubbish. It is generally dreadful street machine. Yeah, whatever. Garbage. Rubbish. Rubbish. Let's move on quickly. To our final game of this section. And Graham, what's it like being Footballer of the Year? This is from the team behind Bulldog, Bounder, Future Night, kind of, well, Gremlin. Gremlin graphics. Yeah, so, it hey, it's Footballer of the Year. Really lively intro sequence and title sequence to this. Really bouncy. He was like, wow, okay. So you start <laughs> by putting in your name and then you choose a division and a league team, then a national team. And then you've presented with the seven icons of control. Um, <laughs> so you've got a globe, which gives you your kind of stats, the general stats for the game so far. And you've got a football ahead that gives you your player stats, the individual player stats. And I'll come to exactly how this all ties together. You've got a scroll, which is your transfer cards, where you can buy and transfer. Uh, but So you can buy and transfer cards for new players. So you can buy transfer cards for new players in there. You've got a football boot, which starts the season, where you can buy goal cards. And I'll, I'll say, explain what all this means. Then you get some shots at goal, and then you get the results service, which tells you what you've won or scored. The shots are played from a ball shoot at goal kind of point of view. You control the ball direction, etc. when you get to this kind of little arcadey bit. Um, this is, again, when you've played the football boot icon. Um, and the idea is you sort of shoot the ball into the goal and press fire to shoot and try and score, do that and win. Then you get to, it goes back to the menu again and you've got a question mark where you can buy what's called incident cards, which is, I, I can, they're akin to like a chance card in Monopoly. Mm. So you buy these cards and then incidents occur. So you can lose money, you can get transfers obtained, you can get extra cards, that kind of thing. Things happen, you know. You've got an icon for saving the game and then you've got a dead guy. I think, or a footballer that's fallen over, which is quit. So yeah. it's kind of a score a goal to get the money to go up the league kind of game, um, and that's kind of the basic principle of this game. Play through these sort of play through these icons. So you, as you get more question marks and you buy more incident cards because you obviously you attain money from winning things, and as you do those and you buy more of those, more chance things happen, and then you can transfer players in and, and maybe maybe is a game that's appealing to football fans i'm not a football fan i know you are so maybe this appeals to you in some way and i think it's lively enough to be interesting it's, there's there's a liveliness to it it isn't sort of dead in the water there's it's, it feels kind of buoyant so i can see it appealing to football fans i'm not one of them but it, it was actually pretty easy to get into as well which is quite novel for a kind of a semi-manager type game certainly better than the double which we played in last episode which i'm still waiting for <laughs> so i the exact criticism of this was that it was too easy. And I have to agree, it's, it's stupidly easy to, to score the goals. I mean, there's no real challenge to them. Unlike other football games where it's now impossible to score, you can't really not score in this. So you're always going to win. And if you always win, you're always going to get the best things. And, you, and there's no real challenge in it. The game just kind of, it's a kind of really nice, friendly game in that it doesn't challenge you with anything. It just presents you with loads of stuff that's good. So it's lively. It's not terrible. It's just not a wholly complete football game. It's just, kind of, I think it's kind of missing something. And it's just... An easy in sim. It's kind of a sim light. It's like a, the double. If you took all of the complexity away and, and the six hour waits for everything, it just, it cuts it so fine, I think. It cuts the football experience so far down to the bone with this to make it kind of just about the fun bit that it actually trims off too much of the fat of the footballness of it. And what you end up with is just kind of a ball in goal, collect stuff thing. And I don't think it really works in that way. And adding the leagues and the things to it is a bit like, it's a bit of dressing that it doesn't really 
it's there it's there but i don't think that at its heart this game was ever really designed to have those trappings i think somewhere along the line it was a football game that got whittled down into what this became so but did i enjoy it it was all right I mean, i'm not into football games but i don't know if this is really you could call it a football game I don't think footballer of the year is a bit of a stretch because I think the idea is that you become your challenge is to become the footballer of the year overall by doing all of these things. It was all right. I mean, it was. I think the best thing you can say is it's just it's one of those games when you because of the music and the sounds are already chirpy. You're like, hey, it's, hey! But after you get past that, is there enough for a football fan? I don't know. What do you think? No, there isn't. I don't think there would be. <laughs> No, the bloody well isn't. Chirpy. Um, I would rather play the double on warp speed than this. The, this game is stupid. It's stupid. And it was supposed to be a board game, wasn't it? And then Gremlin bought it and turned it into this. That makes sense now you say that, yeah. Well, it says that's what it says in the very, the very first paragraph in the sort of reviewing zap, so I'm going, that's the case. Yeah, yeah. The scores in this game are stupid. And I like football. You know I do. I've always liked football. If you're going to make a football game, then at least make the scores re- representative, shall we say. Yeah. I, I can get behind a 3-2. I can even get behind a 4-2. A 5-3. My first game, I played as Barcelona. Uh, I was beaten 9-0 by Valencia. <laughs> And then 9-0 by Anderlecht. This is stupid. In the second set of games, I chose to use a card for something. I'd missed before I knew what was happening because it cut to the arcade when I went, cut, and I went, eight, when I missed. No, it's a bit quick, yeah. The, the ne- and so the next game, and I, so I missed, and then I lost. I can't remember the score. The next game I scored, I still lost 8-6 to Inter Milan. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, I can't, you know, when the scores of the game are so fundamentally broken, this isn't a football game. It's not a football game. No. And that, I think that's the thing. When you said they've trimmed it to the bone, what have they cut out? Yeah, they've cut the football out. Yeah, yeah. They have. I said it's, it's just not really that. So there's a better version of this, which we, we won't review because we you, you, it, it is a board game. We'll talk about it at the end. But there's a much better version of this kind of board game footballery type stuff that mm. we'll come up with. We'll have a sort of quick quick chat about at the end because I used to play that back then. But I, I, I never liked this because there's no football in it. No. It's not football game. And I guess it's footballer of the there's year. No so you're just playing this. There's no anything. It's just uh, there are options to buy it. But the, it's just it angered me because well, it it's might. purporting to be this football thing and it's not. And it, it's so I think on one one hand, if you come at this from maybe the angle you came at, that this 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 jaunty, chirpy Yeah, it's jovial. Bit of, bit of light bit of light, bit of fluff that don't take too seriously, it's just mm. a bit of a laugh. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. But then don't don't purport to be be a football game because it's not. It's not a football game. And and so it it is a I don't know, it's like you said, it's kind of some kind of life weird sort of be a footballer type sim with a bit of arcadey footballing things every now and again and, and cards and stuff to happen but there's no reality to any of this it's just some weird fancy thing nine nil bloody stupid i was i was frothing at the mouth <laughs> at the at the ineptitude of this stupid scoring system and then i turned it off stupid game <laughs> so there you go <laughs> give me football it's funny that after i'd played that game i thought is it me or is international soccer still just hanging in there as one of the best football games on the C64, even with all of these other variants. And how, if that's your template, why are they experimenting with it? Why are they experimenting with this? Because the double had a bit of an experiment of football in it. And there was another one that was a football experiment that didn't work out. They just seemed to, don't do, you know, don't do this stuff. That's Peter Shilton nonsense was kind of a crap experiment. Well, this reminded me a bit of Peter Shilton, but you're on the other side. Yeah, yeah, it's similar. You're the the attacker, but just, yeah. They're just silly, these games, and they're not not for me. This didn't have speech in it. Carl, save! (laughs) No, and it wasn't trying to whip up some kind of horrible xenophobia. Yeah, yeah, it didn't do that. To be fair, it's too jovial for that. It is way too jovial. It's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it is. Anyway, it just, yeah, I just got annoyed with it. 
Mayhem. There we go. I think that's our, our first lot of games done. It is. So, it is. Repton 3, Blood and Guts, Chameleon, Street Machine, and Footballer of the Year. There you go. It's varied, isn't it? Varied this week. Yes, it's <laughs> a strange old month, the merry, merry month of March. Beware the Ides yeah. and Games of March. <laughs> yeah, because there's not much to write home about. Uh, yeah. There really isn't. Right, so we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly where we're going to have an excerpt from our chat with Chris Abbott. Do you want to say a little bit about what we sort of chat about? It's more of your kind of area of expertise. Yeah, it was just a chat really about... Um, the Merry Adventures of Chris Abbott and the C64 audio stuff that he's very much involved with, all the way from the very early days and his pioneering work around the bit live events, all the way through to the current um, Kickstarter campaigns and things that he's got going on, and just a general chat of everything in between. We even talk about arcade-style sound chips. Now, that doesn't sound particularly interesting when you say it <laughs> like that, but believe me, it's quite interesting stuff, and he's a lovely guy as well. So it was nice to just get some time away from him to chat because he's a very, very busy guy. It is, yeah. And we also find out what it's like to be Rob Hubbard's butler. We do. We do indeed. So, lots of those sort of things. So we just hear a snippet of this. If you like what you hear, you want to hear the full thing, you know where to go. Patreon.com forward slash zap to the past. Sign up your spondoolies <laughs> and, um, for price of a pint. And then you can hear the rest of that. And also come join us on Discord and all that kind of thing. Yes, do. So, uh, so we'll leave you with that. Have a listen to that. And we'll be back after that where we've got our last set of games from March 1987. So we'll see you in a bit. Spoonfuls to our sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you'll find bargain books, ebooks, and audiobooks. Let's hear a sample from his incredible audiobook, Starfarers and Tharnians in Space, narrated by the one and only Tim Valencia. Poppy raised her voice. Navigation's offline. I'm trying to get the damage under control. Elvin, help me out here. Elvin was frozen. I don't want to die. I haven't even seen the new Adam Bender model yet. And I want to. She takes you to new places, the ad said. He wondered about that. Yes, she was a tempting mistress. However, there was some candy aboard this ship he'd never had the chance to get up close and personal with. The core of this ship was highly radioactive, but some things were worth dying for. Deacon snapped. Someone take the cannon. Poppy, turn that infernal thing off. Bo looked about, shaking his head. What cannon? It's gone, mate. Gone. Just like us. Last man in Gallagher, and we can't fire. Wow, you've got to love it, right? Visit DavidHernWriter.com to find out more. following is an extract from our amazing interview with C64 Audio's Chris Abbott. This is exclusive to the Patreon channel normally, so you're getting a sneaky peek. However, if you'd like to listen to the whole thing, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zap to the past and join in for the price of a pint. Anyway, enough of my yakking. Let's join in the fun and see what they're talking about. I mean, um, I, I think I, I spent the year beto- the, the years from 1981 to 1983 desiring an Auric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, you're the only person, Sorry. second person I know in my lifetime has ever said that. Well, it was <laughs> at, at the time, actually, if, if you read through the, the weekly magazines of the time, it wasn't clear for some time who would win that battle, the Auric versus the Spectrum. 
And that's partly because they were releasing games on both platforms in almost equal quantities for a few months, but also because the Spectrum was really, really late shipping. There were Mm. immense distribution problems of getting Spectrums to people back then, which means that in in Christmas 1982, um, I think it was, um, the Auric and the Dragon cleaned up because there was nothing else to buy. I completely forgot about the Dragon 32. The Dragon Dragon. 32 was big in its time. It was big right up until the point that the Commodore 64 ate its lunch. (laughs) As soon as people had something better to buy, they bought it. Mm. That's what we did. Uh, But the Commodore 64 didn't come, didn't uh, start selling in the high street properly until round about uh, September of 1984 after they'd released, they'd announced price cuts in America in July. And uh, it's at that point, uh, so in 1983, sorry. So September 1983 was when the Commodore 64 really started to enter homes and people started writing for it. It had been released in November 82, but it was so, it took so long to get critical mass. There were very few games for it, which is why everyone in the, the, the Commodore 64 world literally had a copy of Attack of the Mutant Camels, Rabbit Monopole, <laughs> and Grid Runner. Because um, Grid Runner. Le- Llama, Llama Soft, Rabbit, and Interceptor were basically the only people releasing Commodore 64 games in the first few months of the actual machine. And level 9. Props for them. So when, when did Ocean kick in then? Uh, tail end of... Well, tail end of... 80, well, it was doing Spectrum stuff. It was tail end of 83, I think. Yeah, because um, like was, I said, I, I remember Hunchback and uh, Mr. Wimpy being mm-hmm. my first two. Yeah. When we got it. Yeah, they, the the ocean kind of coincided with the Commodore sixty four becoming a thing, even though they were they had a lot more Spectrum games, a lot more Spectrum games were all over the place in nineteen eighty three. So the Spectrum had about a nine month head start on the Commodore sixty four in terms of critical mass for games. Um, they weren't even advertising for Commodore sixty four programmers in the small ads until the tail end of eighty three. Uh, I I was very surprised. I had to go through all this timelines because I'm researching for the Rob Hubbard book. And I had to go through every single weekly magazine that was printed in the UK <laughs> about computers <laughs> for an entire two years to try and find one classified ad he may have replied to, <laughs> which, which would, would have made him write Blue Danube. But um, in the end, I think uh, he got that job from just a panicked phone call somewhere around April 1984. So, Wow. Because so, he was... Because I remember speaking to Ben Daglish some time ago, obviously rest in peace Ben and he had made a point of saying that everyone looked to Rob as like the not he said he used the word granddad I didn't mm-hmm. but because he was a lot older than everybody else wasn't he and was considered a musician whereas they all never really saw themselves that way at that point no there were teenagers messing around to even in their own minds Martin and Ben and Matt um, they didn't think that I don't think they thought there was going to be a career in it um, I don't think Rob thought there was a career in it as such but it was something to do um, he got interested in computers first, fascinated by them, and that led to everything else and gave him a lot more patience for um, for taking um, risks. Uh, but uh, he he then had a um, very practical approach to computers, and also there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a great deal of security in doing gigs, which was his main income at the time. So he thought, oh, I'll use this computer to make some money. He'd been reading Electronic Music Maker magazine. And they'd be saying, oh, there's educational software, it's brilliant, whatever. So he wrote some educational software, 
and then went into a school around about January, February 83, showed it to them, and they said, well, that's nice, but we've we've only got BBCs. <laughs> uh, and um, that was that, really. And um, so he learned machine code, got to April, made a few phone calls, and then uh, a book happened to come out that contained the, the genesis of his first sound driver um, called A Companion to the Commodore 64, and that's where it all started. 13th of April, 1984. That's when Rob Hubbard's music career started. Oh, wow. That's absolutely fascinating. Amazing we managed also, to track it down. <laughs> it is a bit. It is, absolutely. And you know what? It's yeah. great that some of this history is still out there. I'm just. I'm still p- puzzled a little bit by why the first two games of, of the, at that time, if you said, was it that AD said that he had, was it Hunchback and Mr. Wimpy? Mm-hmm. Them early games are either based around deformities or addiction. <laughs> well, just, uh, pretty- it seems to be a weird weird theme for games around the early 80s if you were a hunchback or you were addicted to food you were going to be made into a game seems very or if you're right? a, or if you're a space invader like me too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so so you've got um so we, so you so you had uh, all of this oric so when did the c64 no i, I didn't i didn't happened? have an oric but i used to sit in my common room ogling oryx because it's simply because it had a a decent a decent I, I put quotes around decent keyboard had a keyboard and had zap and ping in, in the basic commands and that was it because i knew the spectrum had a like a um monophonic speaker but okay. a friend of mine got a, a friend of mine got a spectrum another friend of mine got a commodore 64 uh, we didn't play on that much uh, that was a, <laughs> um radar rat race was his it was the game he had and that was very, very annoying. <laughs> um, and but my friend had um, had a Spectrum, and we used to play that in the common room. And that was before I got the Atari. And that was when I first saw Manic Miner, and okay. later on, uh, and then Jet Set Willy came later, of course. But mm. uh, seeing Manic Miner and the the 16K Ultimate games, because he had a 16K Spectrum, and Manic Miner fitted into 16K, I think. Mm. Either that's we had it upgraded. Can't remember. But um, they they were uh, farty games, but amazing. Um, at the time, very well, very. Time. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and they they were uh, they were an eye opener. So we used to take over the. Um, uh, I was at boarding school, so it, after we used to do prep, and then uh, we used to go and steal the TV so people couldn't watch it and attach a computer <laughs> to it, which was far more preferable, really. Yeah, but it would annoy everybody. What's that bloody crazy thing? You've changed the channel. Stop messing about with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, late, later on when I bought the Atari 400 in, people had more of a choice of games to play. Um, mm-hmm. That was things, things like Preppy and Seamus, uh, which were the, 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 the big two games that came with my second-hand Atari 400. And uh, that, was, that was the most uh, stunning music I'd heard up to that point. Better than anything on the Commodore 64. So what was the chip inside that Atari at that then? Because I know you know all about the chips because of your book, which we'll come to in a bit. But what was the chip in there? Oh, that was that was the good old pokey. The pokey chip, that's it. And any sound you like, as long as it's distorted. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like many of the rock bands I've been in. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely and grindy and crunchy and somehow very specifically Atari. It's the, the way they, do, they designed the uh, linear shift registers, I think, that uh, mangles the sound. Um, I don't have a lot of exposure to the Atari, apart from on the Atari 800 XL. Mm-hmm. I remember playing, um, I remember playing, I think it was uh, Goonies on that, which took forever to load. 
And I think I'm pretty sure I played a version of International Karate, I think, or some version of that on it. And it was flashing a lot and the colours were going wrong. So I've got a feeling the machine itself was maybe broken, but uh, that's it my only experience like it, of it. It was a decent um, decent version of International Karate and it had a, a decent port of Rob's music. So uh, mm. by Rob, luckily. <laughs> yeah, so I, I never played on the, uh, the Atari home computers, 400, 800, XL, any of them. No, I, think I, I didn't even know anyone with one. I think I only got a Commodore 64 quite some time later. Um, my brother seemed to have every single computer ever going in, sequ- in sequence except the Commodore 64. He had an MSX, he had a Nintendo Inten- Entertainment System, an SMS, a Sega Master System, a VIC-20, and they all seemed to come and then stay and then disappear. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother was my um, my brother was my avenue for entertainment gadgets. Do we say? Because mm-hmm. he was a bit older than me, so he had income, and then we'd just go spend it on stuff, <laughs> and then I would just take it off him because that's what I did <laughs> as the younger brother. <laughs> uh, my my brother was younger than me but I, I don't know what he was doing to get to all, the, all that equipment <laughs> so a friend lent it to me right <laughs> right okay sorry Pete. what's in what's in that suitcase don't ever look in that suitcase <laughs> okay <laughs> so 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 what happened why why did so you had your Atari what 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 was the switch why did you switch to the c64 what was it about well, that I, I didn't. I kept the Atari, but I uh, wanted oh, okay. to come with the 64 as well. But that had to happen after it was a lot cheaper. Okay. So there's nothing that sort of drew you to it. I mean, obviously being the... Because I don't know much about the sound, sound-wise sound on the Atari. Are they are they comparable? Is the C64 different? I, I, you know, I'm not... I have no this, knowledge of the Atari sound chips or anything like that, which seems to be your forte, so... Well, um, the SID the chip is more powerful, but the Atari chip is a very good chip for voices... Um, nice crunchy sounds, um, very characteristic, very characteristic detune on the on the sounds, which actually creates the Atari sound. We know when you hear like um, square waves that are slightly out of tune, and it kind of gives a very Im- interesting phasing effect. Mm. That sounds mm-hmm. like rock hard on the uh, Atari, as well as the noise generators, which were extremely kind of noisy. That everything about the Atari 400 was like rock hard and solid, and everything about the Commodore 64 was slightly fudgy. Even the SID mm. chip, um, you, you've got you get a, a rock hard square wave over here, and you get a, a a more cultured sawtooth wave over there, or a pulse wave, or whatever. And it's just even the same with the palettes. Of the Atari had this bright, in-your-face display list, rock hard pixels. Cut yourself on a screenshot. Mm. screen and the Commodore 64 had shades of brown <laughs> is that an album <laughs> I think so <laughs> by the Commodores <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> there must have been a point then so you've obviously you go through the Atari phase and you've gone through all that so at what point did the interest in your in when did it go from games to being specifically about C64 music for you and then because that at certain point changed from a from a something you're interested in to a business and to a to a, so you know just talk, talk us on that little bit of that I mean that little bit of that journey because obviously I mean it might be 20 years between the two but at what sort of stages did that happen did the Amiga ever come into the fray or did was it just you settled on that and you thought this you know there's a, there's a lot of 
amazing music coming out of here. What what happened? How did that happen? I went to university in 1988 and came out in 1992 and um, got married in 1990. Um, so the tail end of 1990 was uh, mostly text adventures on IBM PCs at uni, like Lurking Horror and mm -hmm. Hitchhiker's Guide and Bureaucracy. And um, then the Commodore 64, well, it, the Commodore 64 was still there. It came out to, so my wife used to love um, Bubble Bobble and Gianna Sisters, for instance. The music thing, I'd, I'd always been more interested in the music than the gaming because I'm terrible at gaming. I just haven't got the patience. I'm, I'm just sympathizing with you there. Some of the games we've had to play for that podcast, I have every sympathy because I'm losing my patience with some of them. They're so shit. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> the the halo effect the, the halo effect wears off quite quickly when you actually try to play a lot of them. They're um, they're over ambitious or bad controls or there yeah. there was there were a fair few decent games though. Luckily, uh, Whizball, Paradroid, in the international karate's, especially IK Plus, which was just amazing. Was that the first Hubbard Hubbard tune you heard? Then was it? What was the first one? Did you go right back to the beginning of? Or when did you when did it first cross your radar with a Hubbard track or a? It would or have been thing. Would have been a thing on the spring in a computer shop in Leicester. Ah. Or was it Loughborough? Probably Loughborough, actually. It's very important, people. A <laughs> uh, thing on the that, spring. That, that, uh, that, that thing. Was... That's another thing we share, because that was my first Hubbard tune as well. Thing on the spring? That I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember much. I don't remember anything before that. And thing on the spring was the first one I knew um, I don't was, know. It was Hubbard. might have been Action Biker. I mean, because at that time, Mastertronic uh, was called oh, yeah, Master, about Master, was called Master Chronic. In the school, <laughs> in the school playground, and they were notorious for the terrible, terrible games. And suddenly, the Action Biker came out, and there was this Mastertronic game with decent music, and that was a surprise. But no one knew it was Rob. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think I did hear that before it, but I didn't know it was him. So it's this hearing it before and and knowing who it was. I think it's because Rob Hubbard had been mentioned in Zap. It's yeah, he wasn't a household name until um, until Monty on the Run. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting period of interesting period of his life. That that period after he'd written Monty on the Run, but before anyone actually knew about it, it was a, a lot of it was spent writing extra tunes from Astrotronic. Oh wow! Did, they, did all of them get used, or is there some out there still in the magical, mysterious Astrotronic box? There are some that were unused in games, but we know about them because they're released as part of the five title tunes demo which was okay. commonly known as Final Synth Sample 2, but isn't called that anymore. Okay, I remember that demo. Uh, that's the one with proto versions of Woman and his droid and a Formula mm. One simulator. And uh, there's a piece called um, uh, in that called Educational Educational Title Theme. And that actually is the first original Rob Hubbard composed piece he ever did on the SID. Wow, okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that sneaky little excerpt from our amazing interview with C64 Audio's Chris Abbott. If you'd like to hear the whole interview and also the exclusive interview with John here and join with our Discord server and all the other amazing cool things that happen on the Patreon, feel free to go there, patreon.com forward slash zap to the past and join in the fun. All for the price of a not in London pint of beer. That ain't bad. Now, on with the show. Doffing of our caps to our show sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com. Let's have ourselves another audio sample from his super cool audiobook, Starfarers and Tharnians in Space, narrated by Mr. Cool himself, Tim Valencia. You're galactic pirates? 
I prefer the term self-philanthropists. A white, bulky, tubular droid on wheels with eyes like cherries and enough lights to double as a Christmas tree whizzed by with the rattle and crashed into a wall. Wright said, You'll have to excuse one to eight. He needs a service, ironically due to lack of use. Seized up, I'm afraid. One to eight bounced off a wall, recovered, then accelerated into Deacon's behind. Bo laughed out loud. You've got goat droids! Deacon fired a dirty look at the droid. More like a white elephant, I'm afraid. Wow, that is great stuff indeed. Visit DavidHearnWriter.com to find out more. Okay, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. You know where to go listen to more. I'm not going to say it again. We'll crack into our last set of games for March 1987. How many have we got left coming up? We've got one, two, three, uh, four. Four games and then a couple that we didn't play for further reasons that we'll go into. Uh, and then a bit of a chat about some see editorial. I think we're going to chat about the editorial in this month's uh, magazine because I think it's worth a chat. Um, and then we're done. So uh, let's get on with things. So uh, what's our first game? Well, our first game is a budget title. It is $2.99. It is Zub. So Zub from people who've made stuff before there's the influence of mr baguli steve pickford all over this thing um it's a cheapy vertical frogger type thing i guess in a sense although when i thought about it frogger's vertical too isn't it yes yes so, it is i suppose but this is seen from the side whereas frogger's seen from the top so a bit different anyway zub what do you say about zub apart from everything is called zub it's uh in this world of zub a thief has absconded with King Zub's private possession, the eyeball of Zub, and hidden himself and it on planet Zub 10. The king orders you, Sergeant Zub, to go and get it back. So off you go to Zub 10 to get the eyeball of Zub back for King Zub. 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 What's Zub? Zub. Sub <laughs> Sub. There ain't no love and there ain't no who's. <laughs> <laughs> they sing that what this entails is a black screen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. a really black screen and you play as some weirdly strangely humanoid type creature zub sergeant zub zubby and you've zubby yeah zubby zub zub and you've got to jump up to the, the so there's a black screen and then you can wander you, you've got a platform you can walk along at the bottom you can only walk so far before a sort of force field just appears and stops you going any further yep so somewhere along this point you'll see a platform above you which you can jump onto only jump on it from right below because if you try and do the jump from the side you'll overhit it every time because the, the again it's one of those massive jumps once you get onto this i was stuck for a while figuring out what to do because you have to crouch and then once you crouch you can then control that platform left or right so you then move it to the right where you'll see another move it to the left or the right where you'll see another platform go underneath it jump up to that crouch move it left or right find another platform mm. jump up across the blackness of the black and that's it until you get to the top where there's a there's a teleporter. There is a creature, a singular creature in this world that just bothers you. It's uh, it, it, it reminded me of an annoying wasp. Yes. Um, until you shoot it, where it then flies up for a bit more before coming back to bother you. Literally like a wasp who has taken a shine to your beer on a hot summer day. That's what it felt like. It, it felt like being bothered. So I hate wasps. I literally hate wasps. And I hate mm. being bothered them on a hot summer day. A game that reminds me of one of my worst horrible feelings of having your hot, nice summer day ruined. <laughs> is not a game I'm going to take a shine to. And I didn't take a shine to this because there's jack all to this. 
You just jump up onto the platform and repeat, shoot the thing, it buggers off, it comes back. The higher you get to the top, the quicker it comes back. You go to a platform, then there's a map screen. You can move about this map screen to another world, which looks exactly the bloody same, except it has a different single color sprite bothering you. That's it. The animation was too fast on Zub. Mm. I don't know if it sped up something, but I tried to slow it down, but I, I don't know. I looked at a video online and it seemed the same, so clearly not. The David Whitaker tune is uh, 40 seconds of neither here nor there. <laughs> Good description. Uh, and the game itself gets very boring very quickly. It seemed, it, to me, right, this felt like half an idea. It felt like half the game was missing. Yes. Yeah, I felt it felt It felt unfinished. There's an overly busy title screen yeah, that, with everything scrolling. Everything seems to be running at, like, warp speed. Mm. Like animations, the title screen, and they mention it in the review so it's it's i think it's meant to be like this it has a really annoying problem as well in that you can press fire on the, to start the game even though every after every game it defaults back to the keyboard controls oh, so if you press fire on the joystick to start the next game without reselecting joystick controls you're playing it with the keyboard yeah don't. And it takes a, it just takes ages to die, and there's no reset because that creature, like a wasp, never quite hits you. It just sort of buzzes around mm. you like an annoying buzzy yep. wasp. And so every now and again, it might hit you, and then you're dead. You know, but it takes a while to die. There's nothing here. It feels like the levels, like the background. It just feels hollow and empty and, and like undesigned. Because mm. it's like we've got an, an idea where you jump up across platforms. All right, and then mm. well, what do you mean? And then no, no, you need more. No, we don't. We'll have, a, we'll have a wasp. It's a chore to play this, and it's just lacked any real incentive, and I, I just didn't want to retrieve the eyeball of Zub for King Zub. It was stupid and boring and undesigned and empty and pointless, and I did not like Zub. Got 38%, which I think is too generous. How did you find your time in the realm of Zub? Oh, the same. I thought it was the graph. The only thing I could say, the graphics were quite nicely realised. Everything else, game boring. But there's barely anything of them, is there? It's just the main sprite. Yeah, but the, the, well, the presentation it sort of starts with you know so and so presents. It's got kind of a nice opening vibe. But yeah. I think, though, the game itself is dull, uninspired crap. Just rubbish. Just rubbish. Just jump up and avoid stuff now and again. Rubbish. I'm just not sure there's much more to say about it. It's such a game of nothing. It's just even. I mean, when you when you first start the game up, it's a it's a void. You're in like a, a little nicely drawn thing in a void of darkness, and it's just and that kind of sums up the entire game. It's just a game of it's like a light bulb being switched on and off in a dark room. That's all there is to it. Just on and off, yeah. jump up, go up, move left a bit, go up. I mean, I liked the Zub thing, the character, the way it was drawn, because it's that high resi stuff, and I quite liked the detail on it. Everything else was just, I think, I don't, I'm not sure that any other thought was even put to it. So, no, no. I didn't, I haven't got a lot to say about it, because there's not a lot to say about it. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. It's, it's half a game. It is. It's not even that. I think it's just... It's I think like it's, it's unfinished. It's like there's a plan there to do other bits. And it's like you could maybe imagine doing different things in the different level, but you just don't ever seem to do anything different apart from just jump up no. the bloody platforms. No, someone had an idea, I think, and someone had drawn a thing on a napkin, and that's as far as they got with it. Yeah. And it feels like it was, oh, I'll just release that, you know what? Just We've got this character, make him jump up. All right, what what else? Eh. <laughs> jump up some more. You know, it's only going to be two ninety nine, so, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, just put an annoying wasp in it. Yeah, no, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't find it uh, inspiring. Or in fact, it's uninspired and boring. And just like I say, it's just a game that's in the dark. Literally, it keeps you in the dark. Yes. The players in the dark. Everything's in the dark. It's just dark. Yes, it is sub sub. Yeah, sub sub. Sub sub. There you go. Terrible. Uh, that's sub. Let's move along. Next one's interesting for reasons. Mm. Um, I'll leave 
maybe you can speak about some of those reasons, Graham, because uh, tell us or talk to us about knuckle busters. Yes, Melbourne House. Dun, 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 dun. Melbourne House. <laughs> Matt Sneep made this from and our friends at Melbourne House. So this is just another another Melbourne House blocky fiasco. For want of a, not even want of a better description, that is what it is. It's a, just a blocky mess, platforming mess of a thing. So you play Deke, or as Redfuss Cow would say, Deke. <laughs> or Deke, Dick. Uh, you're a criminal sense to be turned into Deke. an android. <laughs> Day, Dickie. So you're gonna, your sentence is, the criminal, your sentence is to be turned into an android. Right. Why would you make him more... Pa- it doesn't matter. Why am I even thinking about what the stupidity of this? <laughs> anyway, Deke has escaped from his cell. He's trashed the central computer control, and now he's got to escape to a safe distance before the self-destruct in the prison system goes kaboom. Deke's passage is blocked, which sounds very awkward, but it's not what I mean, by a series of <laughs> robo-droids, or robo-droid cars, <laughs> that will attack you on sight, of course. Uh, lucky for you, you've got your fists and feet, and you can punch and kick your way to freedom, but... As they hit you each time, they will reduce your energy. So the game is played across a now familiar, now familiar left and right scrolling background of three layer platforms. It's a triple layer platform, triple layer, duh, 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 triple layer game. Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> it is triple player, duh, triple layer. Duh, 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 duh. It is that. Um, so you can jump between the, and it's a good job you can jump between these uh, triple layers on this game. Some of these triple layers, no, some of these triple layers um, house doors, which you can go through by pressing the space bar. Seems stupid, that, but there it is. Mm-hmm. So the really, the pace here is the thing. In this game, you're just frantically running around like a maniac because, of course, you're frantically trying to escape. But that is not a game mechanic, okay? That's just movement. Um, mm-hmm. The game needs to be that you have to do something other than run around and periodically just stand and punch and kick something until it disappears which is kind of the mainstay of the fighting in this. So you, uh-huh. uh, your sprite is the same as the enemy sprites. You're a different colour. I think that's lazy. And uh, they are absolutely relentless and really f***ing annoying because <laughs> they just <laughs> continuously get in your way no matter what. And I suppose that's the purpose, but they're not really doing anything other than just getting in your way. So you have to sort of scoot up and down, really like fly up and down the levels and run left and right in a kind of mad frantic way. There are objects to find along the way. Some of the doors are locked. There's energy scattered around which you can pick up. You won't really notice any of that because you're just diving around, just periodically standing and just having a... And when I say fight, these aren't fights. You're just waving your leg at somebody until they disappear. Because <laughs> that's all it really is. This is not, this yes. is not, these are not fights. There's no impact from the things you do. It doesn't, it's not like you, you stood there and you, you're really slugging it out with somebody. Um, there's no thought. This is, there is no thought. That is a key problem with this game. There is no thought to the combat. There is no thought to the gameplay. There is no thought to the way this looks. There is no thought in this other than someone's thought running would be good. Because that's as much as I could gather from the gameplay. So you do you go through doors periodically, and it'll just and you just end up in more triple layer running around. You just running around a lot, and that's really this game running around, running around. I had a weird, by the way, a really weird Judge Dread vibe about this game, and I wondered if this and I haven't looked into it, but I wondered if this was an, another Judge Dread game that never was because it sort of looks a bit like their actual Judge Dread game from Melbourne House, and the characters yeah. in it kind of have a Judge Dready type vibe. Anyway, if it is or it isn't, it doesn't matter because either of those games were you know turds and stains on the rug. So. So it just feels like this was a game that was developed to a point, and then they just went, eh, well, we'll leave it running around. Why not? Let's just have it running around. Which, as I've said before, is not 
does not a game make? There is no game in this, it felt to me. Presentation-wise, this is quite a bit demo logic to the presentation. When it starts, you get a great big scrolly thing, so it kind of looks a bit demo-y. There's clearly someone who's watched a lot of early C64 demos and been heavily inspired by the scrolling text and things that are in them. So it feels totally presentation over substance and that leads me to the soundtrack so presentation wise um there's a lot of as i said there's a lot of demo logic to this um and it feels like there's a lot of present more presentation of over actual game substance which leads me to the the important thing here because that's the soundtrack for this now this is rob hubbard and i think I, it goes without saying that the knucklebusters music is truly extraordinary and exceptional in any stretch in any game it would be but this is an extraordinary composition both the opening music, which is a really good sort of powerful sort of beat, heavy, almost breakbeat, early sort of block beat kind of really powerful dance sort of power thing. You know, really thunderous kind of drums and really and compelling and really gets your attention. All of the in-game music, which is a, an astonishing 17 minutes. It's just extraordinary. 17 minute original piece of music that does not belong in this game in a million years, but it's there. It completely operates in a different realm to the actual game you're playing with the music on. It just doesn't make it. It doesn't make sense in any world. These two things are not compatible. What you see and what you are doing is not compatible with that music. The music is too good for this game in every respect. In fact, the opening music of the game would have been better in game. It would have. It makes no sense that this is because I don't believe you're going to be. You'll ever finish this game in 17 minutes. So really, it's kind of an excuse to listen to this amazing music. Even the high score music in this is brilliant. So this, the soundtrack is just unbelievable for this. It's it's arguably, I think, one of the greatest C64 pieces of music of all time. It's certainly up there with Rob Hubbard's absolute extraordinary best because it is completely unique and individual and different. It's just a pity it's in this game because it's nothing to do with this game. And it can't elevate this game either because it's the sad thing is that it's great music, but not great for this game doesn't suit it in the slightest in any way shape or form it's just not the idea of knuckle busters and this uh, being this music and this music being in this game and this game being what it is just it's all none of that works so the game crap very poor it beggars belief these things are locked together with any but the music well that's one of the greatest c64 soundtracks of all time it's just weird that it would be here and that you would mm -hmm. find it here in this game um, now others come along other soundtracks and other composers come along don't get me wrong that's why i say it's one of the greatest c64 soundtracks of all time because Believe you me, it doesn't herald a new era of music. Some other musicians come along and do really amazing things. You know, we haven't even reached the Tim Follins, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, and stuff like that yet. But this is at this time brilliant. But this was nine ninety five. This game, it seems like a lot of money to pay for a soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Melbourne House, isn't it? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, there's my take on it. Great music, amazing music. Everything else, what a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, simply one of the biggest missed opportunities on the machine, isn't it? What could have been a, yeah. a what you know, there's a, what could have been a decent brawler type affair is let down at almost every stage by poor in-game design decisions and shoddy implementation. Absolutely. The presentation is, I think the presentation though is first class. The title screen is great. It's big scroller, and that that comes from it's Matt from Matt and Sai. I understand. Oh, of course it is. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Who are you know the demo people? That's right. So Matt Sneep, I believe it's him, and I've always thought it was him. And it looks at him, and there's a comment on Lemon sixty four saying you should have stuck to CompuNet demos. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm Matt Sneep. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's him. I, I could be wrong, um, but I, that's my understanding. It could be. You know, but it it's, it stinks of a demo maker making a game. Yeah, it looks like a demo because it's all demo. Yes. It is. Um, if this had been a demo, you can see it. And that that opening title screen and all the presentation, the massive, the two huge scrolling things, mm. the 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 visual of that joystick moving up yeah. through the middle. It's beautiful. It's lovely, lovely presentation. And they, even like when the game starts and you get that nice 
text bit sort of explaining what's going on and all the kind of yeah. sci-fi nonsense and stuff like that and then the game starts and you realize ah uh, yeah you, you can you can make demos you're a good mm-hmm. coder but you have no design abilities yeah. really and that's a shame because I don't mind the visuals, the, the at least lazy sprite design, because they are the same. The backgrounds are okay. There's there's nice visual touches to this, but the gameplay is just dreadful. Um, mm. It's totally wimp, limp and worthless. Like you said, three levels, da, 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 but different colored levels, um, you know, all all about the same. Looking for doors, what stupid androids get in the way. And when you, the fighting is, but it's not fighting, is it? You just no. hold the fire button and push right or left. They just wait until they blow up. But there's no indicator of how weak they are or anything. And then as soon, and this is the worst thing, as soon as you destroy anything, they're instantly replaced. There's just yeah. another one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and progress is constantly hampered. There's no real idea of where you're going, what you have to do. It felt like a poor man's. The closest thing I could say to this sort of thing is like a poor man's mission AD. Yes, actually, it is. I, I, I meant to say that, but it, there is there is a kind of vibe of that, isn't there? Yeah, which again, you know, I think you're right in your judge. I think you're right in your um, Judge Dread Mega City One uh, 2000 AD vibe as well. I think that's a good good call as well. But then I think I think Mission AD had that yes, 2000 AD mission yep. AD. There's a there's a sense of that sort of futuristic city running around mm. and things going on, and this does have that. But I think the way that the the speed at which everything runs around because Mission AD was fast, but Mission AD didn't you with android in your face all the time nope. and it's so annoying because it has that music mm. it has that music one of the best pieces of hubbard music ever yep that title screen like you said it's just do, 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 it's do, just do, brilliant it's and just kicks brilliant. in bow, bow. it's just ace yeah and then that music in game that slow build it's just ace and it's a piece you can just sit and listen to which yep. is what I did. I found a, I found a platform at the top, with, which you couldn't, no one could get onto, so no thing could spawn left or right, and just left it running for seventeen yep. minutes so I could listen to it. That's the way to do it. It's just a, such a massive shame. It's a badly designed mess of a game with some nice sprites, but an incredible soundtrack and little yep. else. It's such a shame. It's a weird. It's such a, it's such a weird anomaly. Yeah. That if somebody just stepped in with a bit of design now, this could have been a really good game. Mm but could have been speeding up as it got as that music sped up make the action make, make yeah. just it's just weird well, it's weird do you know what having worked with Rob Hubbard to a, a certain capacity before on a game my feeling is a little bit that Rob Hubbard does work that way with the thematics of a game if you give him the thematics he will turn in at music that suits the thematic of you yeah, that yeah, given him. Does. Yeah, yeah. so I think he was would have been given a steer for this which is why I suspect that he was given a plan of what the game was going to end up in a dream world and so his music is reflecting of that and then the game became what it is and so that's why you have this it can only be that yeah. really but either that or you know well something the, went the wrong the game is one note the yes. game is just one note it's one speed one note there's no build there's no anything it's just the same constantly whereas the music is this you've got can you imagine it right Rob I want you to do a piece of music it's going to be 17 minutes long this game and, and it's an escape piece and, and it's going to get more frenetic as you get towards the end and more panicky and yep. more androids and you, you know you want it to give that feeling of that Right, okay. And then they just produce this. Oh, I've done this running left and right, and that'll do. Yeah, what a shame. It is a shame. Anyway, there we go. Knuckle Busters. Amazing music, and I'm sure we will be talking about that when we get to the end of the year in our awards. Oh, I don't doubt that. I think it'll be in there, whether it'll win or not. Oof. So again, there's a, lot, there's a lot of games between then and now. There really is, yeah. Not the next one, though, probably. So let's move on. This is an unusual one because I don't really, really remember much of this. I remember the adverts, but I don't think I ever played it. This is Double Take. Um, it's an ocean game, isn't it? It's ocean. Yeah, I believe. I believe it is. 
so this has a really complex complex plot so the twin the twin universe theory is true in double take and the problem is is that the parallel universe to ours is unstable and evil and ruled over by the dreadful summink oh i thought summink yeah stupid <laughs> summink what is it i don't know it's ruled over by something do you mean summink ah oh, i'll do Mm. Uh, and this Summink wants to invade our much more pleasant universe and he can now as a lab assistance experiment has damaged the space-time continuum travel between the two universes there's, there's mixed mixed physics there that yes. broke my head a little bit I don't know what the time space-time continuum has to do with parallel universes go and watch Primer quickly you'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. I'm just going to get into the box, come out eight minutes earlier, and I'll, oh, I understand. <laughs> Hit myself over the head and talk about it again later. <laughs> so this physics-bending nonsense leads to a whole heap of chaos, basically. So this game takes place in the laboratory where this student, and I say student in the loosest possible term, we'll come to that in a bit, it, where it's linked. So there's essentially these two laboratories across these two uh, universes. And what's happened is that various objects have been sucked between the dimensions and your job as this assistant is to travel between the worlds and return the objects to where they should be. Okay, fair enough. So what we have here is a flick screen side-on floating shoot-em-up arcade adventure. <laughs> now, each so each screen is part of the lab, or there's a particle accelerator as well through which you can travel. Um, and the, these are the, kind of similar on both sides. There's different different graphical designs on both sides. <sighs> travel between the screens is via a vortex on either side of the screen. <laughs> so I didn't understand why that was. Yeah. And and travel between the universes happens randomly or can be seemingly triggered by flying through a small rain cloud that moves across the bottom of the screen from time to time. Mm. I'm not, I didn't quite understand the weather no. part of this. It left me thinking, oh, why not just move into the left of the screen would flick, not just flick you to the next one? Yep. Why have this convoluted vortex-based mechanic of moving from screen to screen? It just seems to add slowness to a game that already doesn't run at a particularly fast pace. No. I have to say, it just just seems odd. You supposedly play a student, but you look like an old man. Yeah, I thought that. And you can float. Well, not that an old man can't be a student, of mm. course, but it, it seemed odd. It seemed odd. And you can also float around for some reason. Yeah. Did I miss a reason for why you're floating? No, there is no All right, reason. good. So the screens are filled with constantly spawning enemies. They're easily shot because you can shoot them. You have some, I don't know what you've got. You've got some laser or something. Um, and they take off so little energy. It's just to be pointless and worthless. The, the interest, there's an interesting premise of this game, but it's just let down by a few things. The game, at first, it gets very dull very quickly. We say this about a lot of them, but this one really does. There's no real difference to any of the screens, despite the different backgrounds. So it's just the same. Every screen is literally the same. The same monsters spawn everywhere by the particle accelerator. So every screen, same monsters spawning. Next is there's no easy way to know which objects belong in which rooms. I picked some up and I was like, there's some indicators at the bottom, like some particle things and some screen with some buttons on it. But I, I didn't quite understand what they were trying to tell me. It wasn't particularly clear. So there's no like gap in the level. So like, oh, I've picked up this. There's the gap. This goes here. Would have been easy, really. You know, just put a shape and it would have been fine. So when you do get the right object into one of the universe's screens there's this particle one of it, it'll turn blue if it's got one of them in but not the other and then green if it's got both of them in and so that tells you that you've done the right thing i found picking up objects problematic mm. sometimes it would pick them up and sometimes it would not yeah i didn't quite know why even though i was holding nothing the music gets annoying quite quickly it's quite a twee dwiddly piece of nothingness that just drones along okay but some of the sprite work is really good mm. like really good like this is quite literally some of the best sprite work i've seen on the on the machine yeah. those little flying dragons and stuff 
they're brilliant and the really sort of high res multi layer sprite sort of thing mm. really cleverly done but it's not all the same style you're a big blocky medium res thing some of the monsters are medium res but then in amongst all these things you have these high res really cool looking sprites yeah. and the backgrounds are a bit of a blocky mess so it's got this weird incohesive style to it all this game is just it got 48 percent, and it is it's 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 perfectly average and it's not terrible but it's not compelling in any particular way no it just and and if they'd have given the game i think if they'd have given the game the same level of thought as the plot and there's obviously some thought gone into it it could have been quite decent a more easy way to know what objects went where some more guidance around the trial and error some difference between the rooms um rather than just being the same monsters every time and it could have been okay but it's still a bit it's too slow and it still probably would have been dull and i don't get why you float and i don't get why you're a 70 year old student in this weird Mm. parallel universe nonsense so it's okay it's not something i've played before and it's probably not something i'm gonna play again the only thing i really liked was those that sprite work Mm. the rest of it's just a bit of a yeah no it's just a bit of a nothing game really we don't know a bit of a shame what do you think principally the same actually um there's a nice central idea in there and there's some really nicely realized graphics but the game didn't live up to the expectations of the premise while there is some interesting challenge in there maybe and some novel ideas about the way the worlds interact with each other it just needed more game logic and more attention to to those things to make it more compelling because that would have really helped drive it forward. What it ended up being was just some guy floating around, some professor-looking guy floating around, flitting about, shooting and collecting things periodically in a seemingly pain-free environment with yeah. really no more compelling reason to do anything other than that just because you have to do it, really. I think it's a bit of, a, again, it's another misstep just more you know you've got a good game idea you've clearly got the ability to draw graphics yeah the sounds not very good but just make make the game rationale something that somebody wants to do and make that challenging for them but not impossible and those things don't seem impossible to i think they're in there somewhere in that game i think they've just haven't mm. they haven't quite got the the balance of the game right and because of that it gets tedious and shouldn't really but it gets tedious because there's no nothing driving you to nothing compelling you in this game and because of that it tuned me out, so I found it dull. Yeah. Sadly, pretty to look at, but vacuous of everything and, and quite dull and just actually, in the end, just flitting about, not really doing a whole much of anything and not enjoying ironically, doing that. Ironically, in a parallel universe, this game has all of that going for it and is amazing. Yeah, we just not didn't, this one, we just didn't get We just didn't get that version. No, we got the so, single uh, take. Yeah, someone came along. <laughs> the no take, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's such a, such a shame that that version does exist, just not in our universe. Again, another mediocre score for another mediocre game. This is the sea of mediocrity we're in right now. We are really in a yeah, we're in a yeah, a, a lake of meh. <laughs> we are yeah, which is a bit of a shame, and 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 I'm not sure it's going to change with our last game for March 1987, but maybe it will. Maybe it will. Maybe you got. Maybe you really like this. I don't know. Let's move along. Move along. Move, move along. along. Move along. And our final game, Graham, did you enjoy your excitingly titled Tiger Mission? Let me just get my recording out. Um, This is a vertically (laughs) scrolling shooter. It's another vertically scrolling shooter. It's called Tiger Mission, which might make you think you're in a tank, but you're not. You're in a helicopter. The goal's pretty straightforward. Destroy stuff. (laughs) Just destroy stuff. You've got things on the ground which you can shoot. There's stuff coming at you which you can shoot. You've got, guess what, smart bombs which blow stuff. Just, this is just rote shoot em up stuff. You can collect extras by shooting things on the ground. Uh, you get a turbo speed thing. you got three lives. You, 
current level has to be restarted. I think this is one of those weird ones that started halfway down the screen. I can't remember. It might not have done. Yes, it did. <laughs> I just put another dull, uninspiring vertical shoot up. Nice presentation. Hints of demo in there again. Um, and I wonder if this isn't the, sometimes some of these demo coders maybe are creeping in, who knows. But the game isn't great. It's not terrible, 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 but it's just decidedly average. Um, it felt a little bit, and I don't know if it is anything to do with it, but it had a little bit of shoot construction kit about it. But it's just super average, boring, nothing great, but nothing bad. It's just a dull shooter and there's, there's too many of these. Go and play Terra Cresta or something that's got a little bit more about it. And this is just another one that's not going to make you feel great about spending £9.95 on it. The fact that it starts with a big black expanse, then you scroll into the background, tells me that you know, this isn't programmed by somebody that knows how to start a game with their uh, Y positioning correctly. So it's just, there just seems to be a lot of these games, and I suppose we could talk about it in a minute. And I suppose we're getting actually what we wished for, because some time ago we wished for more shoot-ups, and now we've just got a deluge of shite. Yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? I'm putting my umbrella up now. I'm just shielding myself from these these shit drops that are coming out of the bloody game sky. <laughs> Because it's this isn't great, and it's just and the view, review in Zach was just says it all really. It's just you know they may as well just put written the word sigh and just put pictures of them all looking miserable, which they kind of did. Fifty one percent, nine ninety five. A game that is no more inspiring than any other ones of these that we've seen, and probably less so actually. Just you know what. No more. If they're not really great, and these the thing is, these shoot ups like this have to be amazing now because there's so many mm. average out there that if they're not amazing, then don't bother. So I just thought, and I'd, I'd rather play Heli Squad anyway. Well, well, we'll, we'll come to we'll come to that in a minute. I'll mention that in a minute. So, but so, yeah, but no, I thought this was just a n other shootemup.com. Boring. Move on. What about you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's basically a vertical scroll and shoot up by numbers. Mm. That's what I put here. You are a helicopter. You fly upward. Every now and then an enemy appears and you shoot them. You can only fire one round at a time. Oh, yeah. There are barely any enemies. Yep. There are power-ups, which don't seem to do a lot. Yep. You have some smart bombs that kill everything on the screen. The graphics are okay. The helicopter's all right. The music is okay. It is very easy. It is easy. <laughs> yeah, if you do die and you're transported back to the beginning, it does that thing of starting you before the level on a back, back black background for some reason. Mm. The levels are pretty long. So dying is frustrating when it does happen because they take a while to make your way through as the scrolling is pretty slow. It's competent with some nice programming at times, but ultimately dull as all hell. Things I liked, I did like the fact that you could shoot through multiple things in one shot, which is kind of handy because you can only shoot one shot at a time. Um, So you can't have multiple shots. So, And the fact that the the enemy bullets are are sprites, not characters, so are quite smooth. Yes, um, yes. Which is quite nice. But yes, um, it is what it is. But I do remember playing this and thinking this back then. And essentially, this is what inspired me when I got Shoot Up Construction Kit to make Heli Squad. Because yeah. my inspiration was, I'm going to make a better vertical scrolling helicopter shoot up than this. Because I know you can do it. Mm. There was the one, there's the, there was the tiger, what's the tiger one in the arcade? Ooh, I don't there's, know. There's, there's a helicopter, that. vertical scrolling helicopter shoot, but was quite thing. Mm. I don't think it was out there. But I was just destined. I was like, you know what? Helicopters are easy to draw. I'm not a great artist, and and some of the graphics in the game I made were terrible. But those huts, oh my god! I don't know what I was thinking with that perspective. <laughs> um, but. I was damn making it. I don't care. I'm going to make it more fun. So mine had jets and, and tanks and all kinds of stuff and the helicopters flying at you and stuff like that. So the problem with this is it's just dull. Mm. It's really empty. It and it, 
it's just it's like a it's like a shoot 'em up. It's like a Sunday shoot 'em up. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's like a you know, if, if someone was to design this sort of thing and go, it's a shoot 'em up to play on a Sunday, mm. and you don't want a lot of thing, and you go for a bit of a drive, and you go for a bit of a fly, and you shoot some things because there's not much challenge. There's four levels. You could, you know, I think I got to on my first go. I think I died the first time on level three, mm. and then I was like back to the beginning. I was like, oh. I'm not sure I can be bothered anymore. So maybe this would last you for a long time because you 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 need to build yourself up to going through it all again. But it's just it's not it's not anything, is it? It's no. just a whole lot of bland meh. It's by the same people who made Vikings, by the way. Yeah, mm. Keller Line, probably who are new the on the engine. scene at this point. Yeah, probably. I mean, it just and I get your demo thing. It's just it's smooth, competent, but ultimately empty and vacuous and dull. Yep. Well, know. we've said those words so many times now. It, they're losing all meaning. Yeah, they are. It's, this is losing all meaning, but I, I don't see an end to it at the moment with some of the games we've, I know we've got coming up. It's like, yeah. oh, see how it goes. There you go. That's your last game for March. There was a lot of games, 29, but not a lot of quality. No, all very uninspiring in the whole, really. Tragic. Yeah, yeah so we... Just a quick, when we I rounded up, I'm not going to round up what we looked at in the first one because there's not much of note there. So Zub, Knucklebusters, Double Taken, Tiger Mission are our last few games for, for this month. We're going to have a quick discussion about things. We, there were a couple of games that we didn't look at for a couple of reasons. Um, now, I get, didn't get a chance to play. I had a quick look at it, just a very brief look at it just to make sure it worked, but I didn't get time to go into it. The first one was Portal. Mm. And this was £20. Came on, what, five discs or five discs five size discs, or something? Five discs, yeah. But you got a chance to have a play at it, didn't you? So, I did. Um, do you want to... What, what was it? I mean, so what, what Portal is, it? is essentially an interactive novel. And it's a story... Well, without going into the story, because I'm I, I going to dive into it because we're not going to cover it in massive detail. But um, it's essentially telling you a story through sort of a Windows and icons and a sort of a UI experience. So sort of click into things and bits of the story reveal themselves and you kind of piece it together. And, and it's it's driven by a central narrative imperative. So you can't, it's not like a choose your own adventure where bits of the story will come and you ha- you can choose a sort of left or right. And it's not like that. The story just reveals itself as you work your way through this, click into these different sort of computer sections. And as you read more of it, sort of you click on something else and that reveals a bit more and it slowly reveals a, an entire sort of story arc to you. It's got a nice vibe to this game. So it's got it hasn't got a lot in the way of graphics and sound obviously it's just got some nice sort of windows icons and some really kind of simplistic but stark sounds and now the best way i can describe the way this feels when you look at it and when it loads and the sweet sounds and everything else is if you imagine i don't know if you saw well i I know you must have seen it the um chernobyl series tv series Mm -hmm. yeah now if you imagine the, the soundtrack to that is on the whole kind of sort of grating sounds and sort of deep synth rumbles and this that's the kind of sound effect scape it's got in this so you're reading these sort of parts of the story as they piece themselves to you and those sounds come on and you're picking clicking and out of these different data banks and these data banks contain little bits of the story and you piece it together so i thought it was quite an interesting notion zap we're on a it's not a game tip so we're not going to give it a score kind of thing again I think it's a bit bit of a disservice to it. It is very cerebral and it is a novel, so it's not just a story that you're just re- working your way through in an interactive manner. I'd never heard of it until we got to this issue of Zap. No. And and I think it would have been something I would have really enjoyed. Maybe now, more now. Back in the teen days, maybe not so much. Um, I might have sort of dived into it and thought, oh, this is a bit boring. It's nothing to blow up. But reading through it, it's really nicely written and it's quite compelling. And you can save your progress as well. So it's not like you just have to do it in one sitting. You can actually save and come back and load your saves in. So I thought it's quite unique and quite unbelievably 
different. And yes, it's an interactive story, but we have those now, quite a lot of them. You know, I'm thinking just off the top of my head, everyone's gone to the Rapture and there's quite a number of different sort of mm-hmm. game experience type interactive novel type experiences, probably a lot more now. But I remember finding those quite fascinating when they came out. What was that one that was done on the Steam Engine, one of the first ones? Was it Esther or something like that? Oh, Dear Esther. Dear Esther. So Dear Esther type. And I find those quite Banishing of Ethan Carter, That's Gone it. Home, Firewatch. Yeah. I find them quite in- intriguing as experiences. So I don't doubt that this would have been. It's obviously restricted by its 8-bit. But they're cleverly, there's clever parts to this, actually. One of the clever little details that I noticed is that the loads and the disk drive sounds are timed with the way things change on the screen. So you get this kind of... <laughs> it changes. It changes. And it adds to the kind of drama of the whole thing that you're reading because the whole thing is about entering this kind of abandoned uh, sort of laboratory and finding all these data banks you've got to work your way through and it really does feel like that it's quite good so I would advise anyone who's if you're looking for something a bit different in a sea of mediocrity in this issue and with a a great big two-page editorial crying out for more interactive innovative experiences they've got one in the very issue which they don't dismiss out of hand but one of the reviewers does kind of say well why won't you just read a book it's like i think you're missing the point mm. um but if you get a minute aid i'd go and have a and, and anyone else yeah, listening, I, I would go and have a, have a don't have to spend it's you know i think it's over five hours in total or something like that but you don't have to sit there for five hours it's quite mm. interesting so i quite enjoyed enjoyed my little bit of time i spent with it i didn't spend as much time as i'd like and i will go back i did save so i will go back so good yeah i will i do intend to have a look at that at some point when i get a I mean, one of the. I think Jazz Rignall says that it takes five hours to get through the first disc, and there's five yeah. of them. So I can imagine. So. I can imagine it would take a long while because it is. It's not like you're getting big pages of text. There's graphics on the screen, and it's like a. If you imagine like reading emails, yeah, so there's yeah. a little bit of reading messages for people, and you have to go between different systems reading the messages, and the messages start to make contextual sense as you read as the more as the drama unfolds. It's a, it's a lot yeah. like actually. It reminded me a little bit of Half Life in that respect. Is that there's okay. a there's vibes of that kind of thing about it. It's interesting. Yeah, I'll have a look at it. I do like it. I do like the sound of it. Mm. So sounds interesting. The other one we didn't look at was uh, the other football game. Now this isn't. This was Brian Clough's Football Fortunes. Um, did you ever play this back in the day? No, absolutely. I played not. a lot of this because one of my friends back then who had an Amstrad, he had it on the Amstrad. And quite, quite literally, this game is great. It's really good. And it reflected in the review, actually, because the review presentation, 99%, hookability, 96 lastability, 95 value, 80 overall, 93%. It's £15. But essentially, this is part board game controlled by, a, a, controlled by the computer. So this is a board game. You play this as a board game. And it's quite clever because what it does is at the start of the game, you get given £200,000 um, just reading from the review and what I can remember and you get given a load of cards you get you get told by the computer this is your cards and it's a it's a team I, I can't remember if it had I think it's just whether it's just forward midfielder I don't know if it had names on them but they all have a star rating so once you've got your team of 13 and you've all you know, you've got your thing so you've got your star rating you just add up all the stars and that's your the quality of your team should we say so you put it in for the midfield I think the attack the defense and your goalkeeper so what happens then is once everyone's got that you then go through a, a round where the computer rolls a dice you move around the board. There are three types of la- uh, kind of square you can land on, and they could be financial stuff. There can be an auction where you pick up, pick the next player off the top of the thing, and then you can enter into a bidding war. And all this is this isn't done through the computer. This is just I think you, I, I can't remember if you put your amount you want to bid into it into the computer when nobody's looking, and then it says so and so has won. I can't remember if that was how it did it. Um, and you get luck, which uh, you know like chance cards in Monopoly, should we say? Once all that's done, you and you've moved around, you can look at the fixtures so you can see who you're playing. At that point, outside of the computer, you can swap and trade players. 
So you build up your team through these auctions. So you start getting more and more. So you might have a, a midfield with loads of five stars, but you know, okay, I'll lend you my four star, but it's going to cost you this much for the game. So that all happens outside of the computer, but that becomes part and parcel of this game. Once you're done, you type in your star ratings, the games are played and you go on and repeat and you play through a whole season. And so it gets quite, you might borrow a player off someone else if you're going up against the team. So there's three or four of you playing. It can get really quite, oh, look at his team. I need, can I borrow your star midfield because I'm playing him? And it, it was great. And it notes it in the review. It's got a very socially interactive game. Such delights as screaming, shouting, persecution complexes, losing friends and falling to the floor and frothing at the mouth. It's a, it's a really, really, and it was a really enjoyable game. And it wasn't so much because it was on the computer, just because it kind of married those two things together. And it was just a really good, good board game that, you know, like it says, you, you mm. know, your two, your two star players have been killed in a car crash. Oh, <laughs> it's like, Leak. That, could, that could just happen. And you're like, no, and just, you lose them. You're gone. And so these things can happen. And, you know, it's kind of that randomness that the computer could throw into it mm. and have a bit more behind it. And it was just a really, really enjoyable game. And we used to play that quite a lot. And it was always a good laugh. It was always good fun. And so it was good to see that in it. And it could see it got a really good review because I think that even now, if you had that, it's still a laugh because it doesn't rely on players of the time, I don't think. It's just stuff that happens in a football season. And, not, and I don't think... It's kind of, you know, kind of like what Football of the Year was trying to do. This does it better because it goes, look, no, it is board game. And playing it outside of a computer, having it be a board game, you don't even need to really be interested in football. Football is just the thing. Like, I'm not interested in property development, but you Monopoly's all right and things like that. Mm. Yeah. So it was really good. I used to enjoy playing that and I played quite a lot of that. So that was the other one that we didn't look at properly, but we couldn't really because we don't have the game. <laughs> so how to how to look at that. And that's that. I'll just go through the chart because then it'll probably lead into our little discussion that we've got lined up. Um, I don't know how long it'll take, but we'll see. But um, what we got in the chart, there's no crap birds. They just weren't any. They're getting all right now, so it's hard to find. At number 10, we've got Konami's coin-up hits. I imagine Green Beret, yeah, Kung, Yaku, Fu, Fu, things like that. Legend of Cage. Oh, Do you know, it just reminded me, actually, that Ninja, you know Ninja Master, mm. which was two-frame two training, yeah. Yeah. was for, for Legend of Cage. So yeah. I can imagine that the guy from Le Ninja Master has gone on to star in Legend of Cage. <laughs> in at number nine is Footballer of the Year. Uh, at number eight, there's no up or down on this, by the way. So I don't know whether they've come in or gone out. So they've changed the charts. Oh, they've changed them in anyway. Uh, number eight is Micro Rhythm. Number seven, LA SWAT. In at six, Space Harrier. At five, 180. Number four, Flash Gordon. Number three, BMX Simulator. And still duking it out at the top. I think these are the same as last oh no it's just two and three god knows what's going on here uh there is paperboy and gauntlet at the top two there oh well, that's weird because it goes four three two three I, I know it's i think it means one <laughs> i think it means one i'm gonna guess that gauntlet's at number one yeah and so that's that so as noted zap did have a big old editorial at the start of this issue didn't they, they? did they did indeed yes and with some interesting things to say actually yeah i think the important thing to do is, firstly, is actually most of the, because it's basically a, it's asking a very, a fairly serious question. And the serious question is, has this games industry at this point, is it stagnating or, or has original games lost? And there's a whole load of hyperbole at the beginning about the games industry history and all of that. I'm going to skip all that. Towards the middle of it, there's a nice sentence, which I'll read out, which says, at present, and I think this sums up the article. At present, there is far too much run-of-the-mill software available, spawned by licensing deals that take the form of television and film tie-ins or arcade conversions. Despite the effort involved in producing such games, I feel that little or no thought goes into actually designing them. Most film and television tie-ins fall into four tire-tested and exhausted categories, shoot-em-up, arcade adventure, beat-em-up and platform game. 
Sometimes a composite game offers a mix of all four basic styles, all unoriginal and far from innovative. Over 100 licensed conversions and tie-ins have been released to date, and to my mind, very few tie-ins have been representative of the theme of the original on which they are based. And so this article goes on about that, the thematic of that, that what it's kind of a, it's kind of a it's zap saying what is going on because they as we have have played through all of these games they've noticed that there's just everything's becoming same immediate mediocre they single out tarzan judge dread and highlander i think as at least three examples of crap games and scooby-doo and scooby-doo games which we have also indicated that they weren't very good they also then pick on a couple of things. I think they highlight Jeff Minter in, as somebody that is doing good stuff, and that's all right. And they also pick out some games we've highlighted for good graphics, Robin of the Wood and things like that. I think the gist of this article is really them saying, because it then falls into the towards the end of the article, it's a bit like, um, well, Zap, you know, Zap hasn't fallen into the trap like other people have, and we're, you know, and, all right, I'm going to skip all the bits of the Zap, you know, rubbing their thighs and going, yeah, we're not, you know, we're, we're the bastions of truth and all that. Fine, if they are, that's, that's not, not the point. We've got up to what? We must be a well over 300 games played now, maybe more than that after, after oh, well, way, way over that. Now, so well. we've played all of these games all the way up to this point, and I think I, I have to say, luckily, I've got foresight because I know what's coming in some of the games that we've got coming up. So I know that there's Whiz Balls and there's Last Ninjas and there's other games out there. Now, I'm worrying at the moment that my rose-tinted te- my rose-tinted testicles, I was going to say that. <laughs> my rose-tinted testicles and my rose-tinted spectacles. Um, my, I nearly did say that as well. It's a Freudian weird. slip. It was, but you know, my rose-tinted testicles, I'm going to stick with that. I'm worrying that they may very well have complete, because a lot of these games I'm playing now, I, some of them I actually thought were quite good back in the day or my memory of them is, and they've actually turned out to be really, really a lot worse than I thought they were. And it's just this sea of average that's developing. I mean, look at just in the last five games that we've put, four games we've played outside of Portal, the Knucklebusters average, great soundtrack, but dull. All of them just uninspiring. And I kind of agree with their point. I mean, do, do you agree with them or do you think that they're wildly over-exaggerating? No, no, no. I think they're right. Because I think it's it's easy enough at the time because you just didn't... We weren't them. So no. I, I read this at the time. And I think the thing with this editorial is that when I, I, I read it at the time and, and they're thinking, yeah, I get it. I understand what you're saying mm. completely. And I think looking back on it even now, I understand it even more. The thing that, that, that it's the second, almost second to last paragraph. There's a lot of prescient stuff in this. Um, mm. And it's weird to see this in 1987. I mean, uh, there's the the, the last paragraph says, there's the odd ray of light now and again. Someone comes up with an original concept, an original treatment or a theme. The trouble is within a few months, clone upon clone appears yep. and another new genre is bludgeoned to death, diluted and absorbed by the mm. uh, idea-starved sponge that the software industry has become. That has never changed. If you think like, because obviously we both talk game design and trying to get people to come up with something original, different ideas, new stuff. And oh, I just want to do this. I just want to make a version yeah. of this. I just want to do this. I think about when Minecraft came out and when Minecraft came out and it was, you know, it's digital Lego. We know. And there was another game before it. There was some games, but it kind of like did something different and had a whole different ethos of this create your own world and all that. Mm. And then there's just a plethora of these craft games mm. and this crafting stuff. And you see that kind of thing. There's a thing at the moment where, you know, it's not original, but everyone's jumping out. Have you played Wordle? I've heard of it. I've not played it. Yeah, but, but now it. there's like, clones of that just appearing all over the phone oh, sort of thing it's like just of course you will do t- you know threes when threes came out and then you had 2048 yeah and, and and this notion that and it's it's interesting to think that there's this idea that oh everything was this brilliant sea of originality back in the 1980s and the, this birth of the computer games well it really wasn't no. because all it was was the the let's let's face it home a lot of home computing was just emulating arcade games yes and knock off our knock off arcade games puckman you know munchman um invaders from space Mm. Gaff. Yeah. Um, Gaff. Uh, <laughs> I 
don't know. I'm trying to think of other uh, d- defend defending um, <laughs> things like that. So you know, we've we've praised games like Drop Zone and stuff like that. It's just Defender with with the Spaceman, mm-hmm. but did some different bits and bobs. And and I think that's the thing that I took away from this is just the whole notion that the industry just because it got so big so quick so fast it's just running on this notion of like find the next big thing and then beat it to death yeah and that and that's i don't we know looking at hindsight that the industry didn't suffer that it's now multi massively multi-billion thing and it gone in so many different directions that it's hard to discuss but it's interesting to see at that time that this this thing that we talk about and lack of originality is not a new thing <laughs> it's not an original thing no it's there and I imagine, though, that, you know, there's probably, you might see this, it's easy to say this in games, I bet you, oh, you're just ripping off Shakespeare. There's probably, yeah. you know, there's probably this happens where the popular thing, the new thing comes out and then everyone jumps on the bandwagon. Yeah. But it is a shame that having played all these games, I think we're close to 400. We must be. Yeah, we must, must be over 400 easily. games now. Because don't forget, it was 200 and odd just for 1986. There yeah. was 150 or 160 or whatever for 1985. And we've already done, God knows how many, another 100 or so this month, this year. So we're just seeing this sort of loop of stuff just getting thrown. And th- I think the license stuff that this talks about is another thing that we don't really see much in the way of licensing games these days. But it's a real shame to see that this nonsense, the games that are made, the games that weren't is a really good resource that you can look at yes. now because at the time you weren't aware of the, like the, um, the Scooby-Doo Dragon's Lair type thing that was, mm. that was coming or the, there's the fact that Knight Rider was, was 18 months you said in development. Yeah. And then what what we got was that horror show oh, with no sort of likening to the original thing at all. And I th- I don't I don't think that they they were off the mark. And I think that this this editorial at this point is incredibly brave. Yes. Um, and and incredibly you know most of the magazines are, are you know are kowtowing and bowing and tipping the forelock to the publishers who seem to have all the power. And I think I remember reading at the time and going you know what you're right because yeah. there was just so much crap because remember i said at the start of this year when we started 1987 that this was the year when i started to drift away a little bit yeah and i think that you start to do that i mean i've become what well, i was a 15 going on 16 by the end of the year you, like you said earlier on 16 year old boys get into different things mm-hmm. and, stuff. and so and but that i would have maybe i wouldn't have done it if there not been this constant recycling of no ideas i don't know it's all food for thought, but I think yeah. you're exactly right. I think it's funny how the principles of the of, of their understanding haven't changed. In fact, if anything, because you've got more avenues to release games, I mean, there's a lot more now, I suppose, but this it's funny how the Android is famous for doing lots of knockoffs of games that appear on other platforms, and Apple mm-hmm. does yeah. as well. And the mobile space has become very similar. I mean, we've said that, funny enough, I think we even mentioned that in the, when we talked to John Hare briefly in the Patreon-exclusive interview with John Hare. But we talked about that as well, and, and I know for a fact that he's often said there's an echoing, it's an, echo, an eerily familiar echo of mm-hmm. the games industry as it was at this time, is that, you know, uh, and I think there's even a quote from him, actually, at the beginning of this article isn't there yeah there are and it's yeah. you know it's you don't have to look far sort of thing you just i mean wordles are an example minecraft another but just the the race for the battle royales that just happened over the past few years yeah so you, you know you started off with PUBG, and then he had fortnite and now it's 99 to 1 you've got 99 to 1 tetris on thingy which is you know an interesting idea and things like that and so these are quite good but the this this race to be you know a battle royale style thing which call of duty picking on and then battlefield and just the big boys step in and go oh we, we have to have a bit of that and there's no well why yeah. do you why yeah. do you well that's what Absolutely. everyone's playing well make something different then and maybe everyone will play that so, well they're not doing the things that are obvious you know get lionel richie involved in the halo series <laughs> i've said it for years <laughs> could you 
Well, I'm hoping that when John John Master Chief finally takes off his helmet, his head looks like the uh, this the carving from the the Hello video. That would be brilliant. Someone's going to do that, aren't they? So, uh, so yeah, so uh, I suppose just to tie in the loop on that, really, it's going to be interesting to see because we know there's some there's some more graphically intense titles coming up. We know that because obviously we, we know we don't. Mm. It's not like we're seeing the future. I mean, we we lived in that period when this came out. Yeah. So, th- and it's going to be interesting to see how some of those games now fare. You know, your deltas and you ones that have got some heavy graphic production values. Your armor lights as we get to those later down the line, and um, it'll be intriguing to see what difference i mean it's not that zap zap i think has a very unique position in time and space in the games industry at that point in a way an influence in a way magazines don't have anymore at all now now it's completely driven by the social medias and stuff like that and even then they control all the noise and the narrative out there really so no nothing really gets said about a game that they don't want to be said Whereas here, you know, you've got this. This is a brave thing to do. It is interesting. And let's just see. Well, we can refer back to this in a year's time in March 1988 when we get to that issue and see if there's a follow up. We told you a year ago, damn it, get better. Or whether it's, you know, or things have improved. I'd be very interested to see what's coming well, I ahead. The, I think the, the the thing is, is it's going back to the, the thing, you know, just to sort of, from my roundup, it's just coming back to play all these games is how many games I just don't know yes. or, or, yeah, kind, yeah, or kind of recognize the name but never played and so even back then when we and let's face it you were getting turbo tapes through the wazoo you were getting discs sent mm. everywhere there were so many games but you'd, you'd give them a quick look and you forget all about them oh yeah having to look at them now in a more thorough them. review and play them properly mm. you know you're just seeing that it's just dross yeah so much and 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 it's business practice of the worst kind, which is just get some money out of kids. Yeah, true. And it's worth it's worth anyone listening to this. It's worth going back, finding and finding the issue of of um, the March eighty seven issue of Zap. Go into page seven and just and, and reading through that particular. It's called Shadows of Cynicism, cast in the light of experience. Question, and it's worth reading that because it's quite an interesting take of a snapshot of feeling around what was going on in games at that time. So definitely go and have a read of that. Can always post yeah. a link somehow to I think I think there's a link that you can get from Lemon sixty four actually is bound to be or there's bound to be a way of finding it so I mean like and you know it's not just a rant there is the quotes from developers Chris Butler oh, yeah. Gates John Hare John Gibson Roy Gibson yeah. Steve Kane Chris Butler's comment made me laugh actually and and again I'm not saying it's just to pick out him out but it did make me laugh because he's just like I'm quite happy doing arcade conversions it's dead easy work <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought, which is fair play, and I imagine it, you know, as a programmer that wants to just get on, do do the product, you know, having a fixed set of of, of something to reproduce as an appeal when you know has appeal. That that's no something I think we might discuss elsewhere, sort of thing, in in a sense of yeah, that's fair enough. But when the machine just can't do, yeah, we're going to come to that, you know. We have already. Let's face yeah. it, Gauntlet, Paperboy. Oh, wait till we it. get to wait till we get to Power Drift. <laughs> okay. If I must. I'm sure I must. I said I would. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, yeah, interesting editorial and an interesting mm. way to round off this yeah, double, absolutely. triple, triple treat episodes. Triple treat. <laughs> I got your Pavlov response. <laughs> yes. You can't. You can't help yourself. Right. What we got coming up next? Uh, next, we've got it's a double episode. A lot of games, but not quite enough to stretch it into three. Well, we could, but we're not. What we got coming up? Aliens. Ooh, which one? Uh, it's just the the one where you control multiple characters and the, oh, the electric around. dreams one the electric dreams one yes uh arkanoid the big deal delta explorer express okay. raider fifth axis fire track gunship okay. um hyperbole 
imagination, indoor sports. Know. Now, indoor sports fills me with terror because I'm worried about. I'm worried it's just going to be another version of pub games. Well, I'm worried about that and hyperbole because hyperbole has an oddly familiar sound, like a game set in a future space, and that's making me feel what, like, hyperbole. Like, like what's the other hype, uh, hyperbole? Wasn't it? What the other ones? It's it hyperbole. Hyper- yeah, yeah. Now we've got hyperbole. Hyperbole. Then we've got a hyper spoon, <laughs> hyper knife, <laughs> hyper spork. <laughs> Oh, that, I'd like that. Which is a combo of both. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we, we're just doing that thing, what the editorial said we shouldn't do. I know, I know. <laughs> I just I'm looking, I'm looking, looking at that. There's uh, some arcade games in there, isn't there? Arachnoid and... Jailbreak. Jailbreak's Jailbreak. an arcade conversion, isn't it? It is an arcade, yeah. Crack out, so we might have a battle of the uh, battle of the Batten Balls. Yeah, <laughs> not the Battle of the Battenbergs. Because we've, so. Ar- well, we've got Arachnoid and Crack out. We have, yeah. Uh, so they're both breakouts variants out there. Leaderboard, Executive Edition, Leviathan, mm. Magic Madness, Masters of the Universe. Does it Leaderboard, Executive Edition had trees, I think, to think? It did. And then I think there's world-class leaderboard. There's a third. Which had which I think trees. is the which <laughs> Yeah, which has full-on woods. Ah, okay. Yeah, this only has three wood. That has five wood. <laughs> well, golf clap. And we'll, it's golf clap. And we'll discover with it, it gives you... Would generally be played. <laughs> Absolutely. Or simply weakened your iron. <laughs> oh, dear. Masters of the Universe. I don't remember anything about that game, so I'm going to guess that's going to be crap. Mm. Murder Off Miami, whatever that is. That might be an adventure. I don't know. Prodigy. We spoke about that. was a crap vert ages ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Short Circuit. The Oh, Number finally five. got Thai Boxing. Oh, yay. So the, the, the game within a postcard. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Transformers. That's the Activision one, not yeah. the Ocean one. Uh, Void Runner, West Bank, and Zone Ranger. West Bank is not about the Palestinian Israel. I was going to say it's war. not, or is it? No, no it's Agent not. Orange I know, it, I know it's titles. not. It very well could be, but in those <laughs> so a lot of games to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. We've gone through a lot again. That was March 1987, and I think uh, on that note, we'll finish. We will. Uh, we will. So as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And you have been listening to Zapped to the Past, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zapped to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptothe, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.